Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Paperwise, no matter how hard you try to move the narrative away from COVID-19, it drags you back again, doesn't it? Because it really has a grip upon us. Uh, and of course, today, no exception. Um, this is all again down to a leak. And I know I'm seeing texts this morning from people saying, why in the name of God does information like this get leaked ahead of the cabinet or the civil service or party leaders getting to talk about it, it only causes panic. But here we are again on the brink of lockdown, front page in all of the papers today, like for instance, the sun calls it the return of the lock with a big red light on the top of a cop car superimposed on the front page, Neffet recommending uh, a nationwide level five lockdown in a letter sent to government last night. And indeed, as I say, leaked lockdown number two on the way. Um, not quite the same as back in the day, because, uh, you know, with level five schools and creches in Ireland would stay open. But you'd be back to a five kilometer travel ban. Uh, I got it wrong last week when I thought that we'd move to level three. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't really think that, you know, the way when you, you're kind of trying to do a deal, the art of the deal is you look for more than you get. And perhaps that's what Neffet are doing. This is just me thinking out loud. Uh, Chief Medical Officer Tony Hoolan back in the job a day early and already back in the hot seat and level five being proposed by him and his team. But maybe they asked for level five and they settled for level three. What do you think, guys? Anyway, second lockdown on the way. Something's going to happen today anyway, because the numbers just continue to rise, uh, particularly here in Cork, which is a problem. So lockdown number two, front page from the Mirror today. The examiner this morning says Neffet asks for level five lockdown. I'm wondering, is there a bit of a trade-off going on and they might settle somewhere in the middle? Who knows? But the country's moved anyway to the brink of total lockdown um, because Neffet uh, proposed nationwide level rather than looking at regionalised ones. Uh, this morning the Mail says on the brink of lockdown, angering cabinet now, anger amongst the cabinet and I'd say many, many TDs and more parties thinking about the economic consequences for their own regions. Uh, Neffet recommending a, a move to level 5. I mean we could recap on level 5 but is there any point really? It's pretty much no to everything really to be quite honest with you and if you have a wedding, a tiny one, only six people could go to it kind of thing. Uh, the only difference is that um, schools and creches will remain open, but your pubs and your bars and your cafes and wet pubs and everything uh, all to close apart from, from takeout, you know what I mean? Uh, papers also talk about weather events from over the weekend, but they become quite insignificant in spite of the very uh, heavy rain, I suppose. But um, the front of the echo talks about, and this is a real interesting point to this, how are the hospitals and ICUs coping um, it's all very well to be talking about the amount of positive cases, but the vast, vast, vast majority of those people recover. So it really should be about pressure on our hospitals, pressure on our ICU beds, pressure on intensive care. So the uh, exam- the echo this morning is saying hospitals in Cork are struggling to cope with the COVID pandemic uh, and the knock-on impact that it's having on other uh, Non-COVID-related stuff, elected appointments, operations, you know, consultations and things like that. Um, and and you notice as the weeks and months go on, more and more disquiet. Uh, and I will come back to this a little later on this morning. Owen English has a story in the examiner the tour this morning uh, regarding Idaho Cafe on Caroline Street, who are literally just trying to keep their customers safe, but yet get so much grief over it. Richard Jacobs from Idaho makes the examiner today um, after a person criticized them on Twitter saying, it was like trying to get into the White House. No other cafe in Cork is so ridiculously over the top with Corona measures. Name and phone number. Don't sit here. Nervously wiping the tables, etc. Avoid. I mean, that's exactly the kind of cafe you'd want to go into. 
Nobody nervously wipes down tables. They just wipe down the tables because it's the right thing to do. I mean, some people are just so idiotic. Anyway, Richard, uh, um, you know, he bounced back actually saying he just wants people to feel safe and that customer safety always comes first. But there you go. There are the times we live in with certainly a lot of, a lot of tension out there. And then people were trying to learn how to drive. That's one thing. And then when you get to take your test, yeah, I don't know what to make of this. Like, um, like learner drivers. Um, taken their tests, were warned not to cough under any circumstances. They were told, keep the windows open, uh, you know, even if they had to drive in the range or in the test. Um, and, and if they coughed, um, one candidate said that they had asthma, advised the instructor that they recently changed inhalers and they might need to cough. And apparently he said, the, 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 uh, the young fellow says, I was advised that if I cough at any stage during the test, the test would be immediately over. Uh, this was difficult to control under these kind of exam pressure circumstances. The RSA have said, I mean, that's just the way it is. These are the times we live in. Um, papers also talk today about um, Justice Seamus Wolf. I don't know whether you read the transcripts or not. Uh, you don't have to actually because it's a good Q&A in the examiner this morning saying, how seriously did um, Chief Justice uh, or Justice Seamus Wolf actually take what he did in, in Clifton? How seriously did he regard it? Because um, apparently the examiner honing in on the transcripts of what um, uh, the former uh, Chief Justice Miss um, Denham had to say on the matter, says that Wolf said that the media reporting on the event was astonishing, describing the original Irish examiner story as the greatest load of rubbish ever. Uh, apparently, the judge said, I thought, Jesus, they're really scraping the barrel here during the silly season in August. I mean... I'm not so sure that he's as contrived as he should be. Um, he, he also um, said that um, the, he was appalled and he claimed the media coverage of the Golfgate event, or at least the golf game and the dinner, was presented like it was the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> um, he's a defiant judge, like when you look at it, isn't he? And then another man who's quite defiant, of course, is, is Donald Trump. Uh, who I was up late last night, perhaps you were the same, watching Fox, watching CNN, watching Trump uh, in the back seat of a hermetically sealed SUV uh, with two Secret Service personnel driving him around with COVID-19. Came out of the hospital, drove around to wave at his supporters. I mean, the guy is a total nut job if you think that that's okay to do. Uh, and I'm a fan of Trump with his economic policies and stuff like that, but I don't know what you make of it at the age of 74. Why would his doctor say, this is a good idea, go on out there? I mean, you just you just don't do that. I don't even know why I'm smiling, it's not even funny. Uh, this trip outside the hospital. And there's a couple of other color stories that we'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. The Neil Prenderville Show. Okay, so no matter how you hard you try, and we had a lot of good fun on Friday, actually, talking about, uh, uh, you know, games of yesteryear that aren't being played anymore and many, many of them of course very physical games where you burn off lots of calories and the suggestion was that you know we wouldn't have the obesity problems in this country if people got out there and played the more physical running around active games but anyway a huge response to that and that was a that was a nice uh, a nice relief from COVID I suppose but for the day that's in it and uh, you know where we're at now teetering on the brink of some kind of an increase 
in restrictions, perhaps level five, who knows. Uh, we're back with COVID again. Lines open on that on 1850, 104, 106. And you heard in the nine o'clock news, and indeed many people have been sending me, um, you know, videos and screen grabs. It was an incredible day for the parish yesterday. It really was the parish of Blackrock after 18 years. Um, Black Rock have won the county and the Rockies beat the Glen. Uh, unfortunately, there was some video footage then during the rounds yesterday as the team were being welcomed home uh, to Church Road. I take no pleasure in this whatsoever because uh, sport is very important uh, and, you know, having some way of celebrating is also important. But I'm not sure that the events yesterday on Church Road help matters. Um, obviously, this is radio, so I can't actually... Uh, you know, without d- just describing it to you. But what I can do is play a section of the audio. And you are talking about, uh, news is saying a 100 people. Uh, it could even be more than that. Way too close. Uh, big, big groups. Um, it would be like the county final um, if at any year, except this year. Um, and uh, this is just a section of the audio. <laughs> So any other time, I suppose, that would be a wonderful thing to see, uh, but not as we teeter on the brink of the country being completely and utterly closed down again. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Let it not take from the fantastic result uh, and the fact that uh, the Rockies are champions. But uh, I just think that somebody should have said, no, um, this is not a good idea. But then again, I understand that in sport, People get carried away in the moment. But when you see groups of people all together like that and they were literally hanging off each other, is it any wonder the numbers in Cork are on the rise again? Now, I have attempted to talk to uh, any member of uh, Fianna Fáil, any member of Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael on Leaside. Fianna Fáil aren't putting forward any spokespeople. Fianna Gael aren't putting any spokespeople forward. That includes uh, uh, Simon Coveney, Michael McGrath and talking... Um, um, Norris, the Taoiseach, Michal Martin, Simon Coveney isn't talking, even Sinn Féin aren't talking this morning, which is astonishing. Donna O'Leary, they won't say anything until uh, whatever discussions need to take place today happen, and they want to keep their powder dry until then. So radio silence from sitting TDs, not from Dr. John Sheehan, though. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, so where where are we at now? I mean, I was just making the suggestion that Neffet might look for level five, knowing that they'll get somewhere around maybe level three. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think you're probably correct, Neil. And I think this came as a surprise to most of us uh, yesterday. Um, I mean, we all could see the numbers going up over the last week or two, and you know the number of hospitalizations going up, and there's about 141, I think, in hospital currently. But we were expecting perhaps level three, not level five. So I think this came as a, a as a big surprise, and I can understand why others, ministers, and things want to consider all of this first because I think there's two big issues to consider Neil one 
First of all, in March, when there was a big lockdown happened, that had a big effect on people. And the purpose of it then was to flatten the curve so that the hospitals could cope, the ICUs could cope with the expected surge. We're in a slightly different scenario now where the numbers are going up, but the numbers in hospital, although they're rising, aren't huge. And also the percentage of younger people getting it as a proportion of the overall numbers is much bigger. And thankfully, the vast majority of them do quite well. So I think that's one thing they need to explain. And the other thing is, I think Neffed really need to explain why they're going from level two to level five, because the biggest and most important thing in all of this, Neil, is the buy-in from the public. The public have been amazing over the last number of months. But if you're going to get cooperation from the public, you need to explain why we're going to level five and what's the rationale for it. Is it because we're facing the winter and there's concern about hospitals being overloaded? Um, is it because the rate, the R number, is going up much higher or is it a combination of things? Because unless you get buy-in from the public, um, it's just not going to happen. I, people, you know, people were very... I'm not going to say happy to buy in in March, but they were a lot more up for buying in in March. Um, I wonder, will they be this time? Like, will it make any difference what levels we go up to individually, county by county, or, or indeed altogether? Like, people who have house parties will still have house parties. People who had get-togethers will continue to have get-togethers. People who shake hands, hug, kiss, gather close up in groups, they'll continue to do it. I mean, like, isn't it unfair to blame the majority of people for those who won't follow the few simple guidelines. Yeah, and that's the concern. Um, you know, uh, could we just improve compliance at level two rather than having, you know, stopping masses, making them go online, matches, museums, restaurants, all of those things, you know, um, all of the people who've been incredibly uh, compliant and, you know, engaged and proactive in terms of managing all of this, are they going to be punished unnecessarily and is that going to have a kickback? And that's where I think the challenge for NetFit and predict for the government is going to be in terms of having a good rationale for this and a logical explanation because it's a big jump to go from level two to level five. All of the things that make our lives more enjoyable, Neil, are really stopped. You know, matches, cinemas, restaurants, you know, going to religious services, museums, all of those things, they all effectively stop. And that has a big effect on people's life. And in, in, in practice here on for, and in every other practice, we're seeing the mental health concept consequences of a lot of this where people are just stressed out, they're burnt out, they can't go on with it, you know, they're finding it really, really hard. Financially, they're under pressure. And that does have a consequence um, for society. Um, Can I just talk about, because we hear about the amount of positives, 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 but the vast majority of them, of course, recover. We should really be talking about uh, who's in our hospital beds. Um, there are 141 people being treated for COVID-19 in Irish hospitals. Um, 36 um, are in ICU. Um, this is the highest number of people in hospital with COVID since mid-April, they're saying. But um, how many, I mean, how many hospital, how many ICU beds do we have? Off the top of my head, I don't know. I think it's about 250. But and I do you know if any has been added since March, April or May? 
Well, what they have done is they certainly built up some capacity in that they they negotiated with the private hospitals. As you know, they kind of took them over in March. But now what they have done is they've had an option where they're not taking them over, but if they need to, they can exercise that option to get um, ICU beds. Also, the hospitals have reconfigured in terms of COVID, non-COVID wards. We have the community assessment hubs for people which, which are up and running or I'm working there tomorrow. You know, so there is that structures that are built up. So you should imagine that all of that work should pay some dividends in terms of our capacity to be able to deal um, with COVID in a bit more planned, rational manner okay. because we can't keep doing this every every couple of months. Okay, there are 278 ICU beds in the Republic and at the moment we know that 36 of them are occupied, right? Which leaves just uh, in and around 240, 245 empty. If you were to add on the private hospitals, would that increase the number of beds above 278? It would, yeah. It would probably been at about 350, 400. 400, okay. Yeah. Um, and are they worried that when you add flu and all other illnesses across the winter that they'll get swamped, is it? Yeah, I think that's the concern because if you look this week, um, say even you know in, in the Echo, the Mercy CUH were under pressure from the normal routine work, and and unfortunately the capacity of our health service to deal with a big surge is very very limited. So I can only imagine that because of those concerns, they're saying we need to try to stop this because otherwise, if it continues going as it is, we're going to get swamped. But that rationale needs to be spelled out much clearer and much. More because of the the devastating effect it has on people individually, but also businesses, restaurants, all of the things that really have just taken a you know a huge hit since March. Wouldn't it be interesting to know what kind of the what the ICU figures were like at this time of the year, or indeed across the winter on average, with regards to flu? Yeah, it would. I mean, on average, about 500 people a year die from the flu. So, you know, it, it is a, you know, and most of them would have uh, some underlying um, conditions. So that's the numbers we have in the flu. Now, the data coming from Australia this year, where the flu happens, you know, a, a few months earlier than us, shows that because of all the hand washing and all the sanitizing and things like that, that the rate of flu has been quite low there this year. So the hope is here in Ireland with the flu vaccines and with all these measures that we'll get less flu than we we normally do it, it would be logical to presume that um, and that hopefully will take a bit of pressure um, off the hospitals my other concern Neil is that there's a huge pent-up sort of demand for other health services because of all the cancellations and postponements over the last six months cervical screening um, you know investigations uh, all the different treatments that have been postponed and that has a significant effect on people as well <sighs> Man, it's just so frustrating, isn't it? It really and truly is. Um, what, is. What's, what's happening this morning now? The um, party leaders meet, the senior civil servants meet, uh, and then they make a call on what level, is it? And some announcement is expected today. Yeah, that's it. And I, I think they have to have full cabinet. I, I suspect they'll have full cabinet um, uh, discussions for that. So I think they start taking other factors into consideration. So, so NEFID do it on the pure science, and uh, that's their job, and the, you know they've done it very, very well. But you have to take other considerations, for instance, the economy, but also people's buy-in. Are people going to buy into this? Um, are we going to get you know compliance if we do it nationally? If you're down in West Cork and there's only a handful of cases, and suddenly you have to announce that you're going to cancel... 
pretty much all, all everything except schools. Um, how, how are people going to be able to cope with that? So, you know, you have to look at some of those decision-making and, and, and behavioural patterns as well, and that comes into the mix. In uh, but at what stage does the social consequences of this, at what stage do the economic consequences of this um, become more important than people getting sick and unfortunately some dying? Well, I, I think that's part of that decision-making process because if you look at it, they've made the decisions, and I think they're right, that schools stay open no matter what because the educational needs of children who are out of school for six months is really, really important, and that's the decision that they have made, and I think that's the correct decision. So other decisions like that will start coming in, people's mental health. People's but why would, it, why would you allow, yeah, but why would you allow secondary schools to remain open if one of the, the big spike is 15 year olds plus so their secondary school because they had to weigh the the I suppose the downside of children being out of school for a very prolonged period versus the the health risks and they made that call you know there's you know probably a million between primary secondary and third level kids uh, and and, and teenagers back at school (laughs) we can't keep them at home forever but they're the propagators though it seems you know well, yeah, but overall schools have actually done very, very well and child-to-child transmission is very, very low. Teenagers is a slightly different matter, but you can't shut down society forever and I think that's where that's some of those decision-making capacities uh, would have to but be. But surely you'd, so- you'd shut down the spreaders. You know, but you can't shut down all the schools forever. Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, but, if there's a few cases in a school, if there's a cluster, then they, they look at that on an individual basis, but they don't do it as a whole blanket. But, um, but what's policy. exasperating me is that the vast majority of people did what they were asked, right? They did what they were asked to do. They washed their hands. They reduced the amount of people they mixed with. They didn't even, a lot of them didn't go out socially. You didn't go for the pints when they could have gone. Didn't go out to dinner with friends and group. They did all of that. But the dopes who continued to have the house parties and the get togethers and the shaking and the hugging and the kissing they they weren't they weren't the compliant ones but yet there was no real powers to stop them i mean like that's what's frustrating for people those that didn't do what they were told weren't stopped do you know what I mean? Like, so there was the powers weren't there to stop these people from gathering, whether it was a house party. Like, for instance, I hate mentioning it because it was such a wonderful th- thing for BlackRock to win the county yesterday. But the scenes on Church Road yesterday, I mean, they were disgraceful. I know I didn't see them, but I, I, like, I was out in Blarney on Saturday night when they won the intermediate final, and everyone social distanced. They, they, you know, they issued guidelines beforehand. It was very well marshaled. But you're right; people make so much effort, and the level of frustration then when some people have house parties and completely ignore the guidelines is really hard. And I think that's where we need to have a, an explanation from Neffet at how we're going to enforce things at level two. So the people who are you know, aren't obeying the guidelines and who are putting everyone else at risk, how are they going to be managed and how are we going to get tougher with them rather than sort of punishing all of society? Okay, well, we'll see. Um, this will be a decision made at some stage today. Is it later in the afternoon? Or? Yeah, they may have to get cabinet approval tomorrow, but uh, I think the decision will be made today. Okay, thanks for that. As always, thank, uh, you. thank you, Dr. John Sheehan, former Lord, out, last Lord Mayor uh, of Cork, Fianna Fáil Councillor. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 086 would it make a difference uh, if we went to level 10, level 20, level 30, if the people who don't cop on and do what was being asked of them um, never will change their mind? What difference would it make except to destroy and wreck the economy and close more businesses, not to mention 
uh, you know, cripple the hospitals and, and kill people if, uh, if everybody isn't on board. And what probably you're going to find today, it may have started already, I don't know, uh, is that people will engage in panic buying. And that's what's happening in the UK now. It could well be happening uh, in Ireland as I speak. Uh, people be out there again buying bread and buying milk and buying toilet roll and all sorts of stuff like there were back in March because um, this information was leaked yesterday. Uh, and will be decided upon at some stage today. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Rayhan, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Um, what do you make of the possibility of level five? I think you're in favour of it. Are you? Yeah, actually, yeah. Because if you if you if you look at the overall what's happened, like in March and uh, over four or five months and now what's happening like this is i think this is the very right decision because people doesn't care like i've been i've been going outside like you know um and the last two three weeks i'm looking at like you know people don't care people doesn't have no social distances and um, like even though like when the pubs are opened like i was in the uh, city at the night and going around like you know and people nobody cares anything so there is a how many weeks we have been locked out and after then we back to the same again so economy everything gone down yeah but how will it be how will it be different though if we go to level three or level four or level five you know like those that don't want to comply or cop themselves on won't change like I mean, there'll still be, well, unless there's some powers of arrest or detention or fines or something, um, you know, to stop people going to each other's houses. Well, yeah, actually, I, I think the government should give the power to the guardie to stop those things. Like those who don't comply with the regulation, they should they should stop them and they should find them. Like if they see that they're doing it and then it will stop. Otherwise, like everybody suffering, like you know, everybody will suffer. Like you know, so the kids are being home, like everybody working, like a, whoever can from the home. If not, the business are shutting down. So, as much as we comply with the regulation, bring the numbers down, we can get back back to the work and everything. Like you know, if if people just argue, okay, this is not here, this is not that, doesn't really make sense because in in a country like. We don't really have infrastructure for like big numbers, do we? In what way? I mean, like, 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 like if if there is a think about if there is a thousand people are affected and there is a five hundred yeah, like think hundred people that need to go to the hospital. Do we have any uh, infrastructure for that? Oh, you mean will will the will the hospitals be able to cope? Yeah, like like so, we are putting the doctors and nurses in danger as well. So. They, they, they but how? But how could that? How could that be? Um, because th- this is a different scenario entirely to March, April, and May, where it's younger people um, are getting uh, COVID nineteen and they're recovering and they don't end up going to hospital. They don't end up needing ICU beds. So how could it be the same again um, when th- when th- when the when older people are safer now and they're being treated differently? Like, look at this thing. This is the things and everybody learning from it. Like, you know, a day goes, they learn. Sorry, my man, lost you there. My apologies. Jerry says, thanks all the same, Rahan. Appreciate it. It's become very apparent very recently that things were going in the wrong direction with the number of COVID cases rising. Then yesterday evening, it was suggested that Neffed was to meet 
And before we knew it, the meeting had taken place. And as we now know, they recommended that we move to level five. But what astonished me even more is that we all went to bed last night, scratching our heads and wondering where to next. And then to add fuel to the fire... We still hadn't heard a word from our Taoiseach. I really think Micheál Martin should have made some kind of a statement last night to say that he'd received a letter from the CMO, Chief Medical Officer, and that he'd be meeting with officials without delay. He left the country in limbo last night, says Jerry O'Sullivan. I wonder, would um, would Leo Varadkar have handled it differently last night? His love of social media and Twitter and uh, uh, and uh, and stuff like that would probably mean that he would have posted something, I suppose, some kind of a video. As he's, Actually, he's never stopped doing it. Uh, lines are open on this on 1-850-104-106. Text 868 Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04-106. Red FM. Okay, so we have 278 ICU beds in Ireland, not including, uh, John Sheehan says, not including the private hospitals that could be added into that tally. And of the 278 ICU beds that we have, 36 are occupied at the moment with people with the disease or suspected of having the virus, which is, what is that like? Is that in and around 12 or 13% of the beds being occupied? Seems like a low number to me to be talking about level five, but uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Tim, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay. I just wanted to ring him here about, since September, the numbers have been rising. They've been multiplying, okay? We yeah. all agree on that. Yeah. Everybody's talking about house parties and this, that, and the other thing. There's no mention of schools. I can't understand this. We have 18, 19-year-olds, 17-year-olds inside the school. The teachers are complaining that they don't have enough protective equipment for the children, for the pupils. How are the teachers coping? Do you know? They're not. They're very, 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 very worried altogether about what's happening. There's not enough social distancing in some of the classes. Are they saying that? I mean, have you been talking to teachers? I've, I've read some of their stuff in the ASTI have been coming over. Okay, well, tell us it's about so it then. Bad. Would you mind it's just taking so a little bit of time telling us about it? Yeah, well, it's got so bad that the teachers are balloting for industrial action to get the government to supply them with the proper equipment and to look after their students and to keep them safe. That's how bad it has got. Imagine to threaten strike, not strike, or some sort of action to keep the students safe. This is a ridiculous situation. But what are the teachers saying? Give us some examples of what's going on in secondary schools. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Some teachers have apps, COVID apps. These apps give alarms when they're close to people who have COVID. Now, it's happened already. About 18 or 19 different teachers have got alarms to say that they were close to people with COVID. They've got onto the HSE and have been told, oh, there's a problem with the apps. No problem. Carry on. If a kid has been diagnosed with COVID in the class, HSE come in, have a look around and say, oh, yeah, everything is fine, carry on again. This seems to be carry on regardless. No matter what happens, it seems to be the schools must stay open. Now, I want the schools to stay open, you want the schools to stay open, everybody wants the schools to stay open. But these children are going home to their parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters, and the thing is obviously being spread. Nobody is talking about it. And you can hear even Dr. Shane was on last night and said, the schools must stay open. Now, we all want them to stay open, but we want them to stay open safely. And, and are, are the teachers just, exasperated, and I'd, I'd love to talk or oh, hear yeah, from them, yeah, are they exasperated because they're trying to do the best they can within the schoolroom scenario, and then outside yeah. of the school, at break time and after school, the whole thing just goes out the window? Yeah, well, that's true as well. But even in school, in the classroom situation, if a boy is diagnosed or a girl is diagnosed, they're brought out of the classroom, and, they, and then the teachers are more or less told, carry on regardless. I haven't heard of a class being sent home in Cork or a school being closed down, but still there are hundreds of cases all over the place. 
and nothing is happening about it, and you can't talk about it, and it's, oh, schools have to stay open, no matter what, schools have to stay open. And like we're talking about house parties, teenagers, there's teenagers in school, 18, 19 year olds in school, they can pass it on as well. We're not, it's not so bad, obviously, in primary schools, but in secondary schools, especially fifth or sixth years, those lads, they can pass it on. And, um, so you're saying you know, that as part of level five, it's unrealistic to leave schools open? Well, I, I hope not. I'd love if schools are staying open. I don't want schools to close. Look, parents need a break. Parents need to go out to work. But at the same time, they have to be kept open safely. There's no point in closing our eyes and putting our head in the sand and saying, oh, everything is grand. The schools must stay open. It's not good enough. It has to be done properly and safely. And then we're all happy, but not the way it's going on. This thing is spreading out of hand. We won't be able to go outside the door the way things are going. You know what level five would mean, don't you? It's a complete and utter uh, shutdown well, apart, yeah. apart, from, know, yeah. apart from the schools, I really. I mean, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the elderly people and uh, I had it in March and April, just walking around, going out for a couple of miles walk every day and I wasn't even supposed to do that. Nobody wants that again, but I must say the schools want to be spoken about, definitely. Okay. And the teachers want to be listened to because okay. it's, not just, it's not good enough to be ignoring them and saying, oh, they stay open no matter what. Okay, thank you for that. Love to talk to teachers even by text, text 0868104. 106. Uh, level 5 means no visitors to your home, only your own household within your own four walls. No social gatherings should take place in other settings outside of your home and indeed no social gatherings in your home except with your own family. Uh, up to six can go and attend a wedding ceremony and that means really that weddings are, if they ever came back, they're gone again if this happens. No indoor gathering, gatherings should take place anywhere. No outdoor gatherings would take place anywhere. No sporting matches would take place um, gyms, leisure centres, swimming pools would all close. We would all be limited to five kilometres uh, of our homes, but only for exercise or to shop. Uh, religious services would all move online. Uh, funerals, up to 10 people only. Uh, bars, restaurants, cafes, uh, takeaways, all would close. Uh, except, well, except for takeout, that is, which means that your takeaways would remain open. So takeaway food only um, in bars, restaurants and cafes uh, and takeaway food only uh, in wet bars. There'll be no more pubs or heading in for a meal in a pub or a restaurant. Hotels would also be closed to the public but would remain open for people that needed to use a hotel bedroom, for instance, for uh, for work or, you know, issues like that, just the way it was uh, across March uh, April and May and times like that. So that's what level five would look, look like. Many people are thinking that level three is possibly more realistic uh, and included in level three would be no indoor gatherings, no matches, no events, 25 at a wedding. Um, you could have you know, other people from one other household only. Uh, but on top of that, then the bars, the restaurants, the cafes uh, and the uh, uh, wet pubs would, would have some um, way of doing business. But for outdoor dining and for takeaway. So that's the difference between, say, for instance, just off the top of my head, level five. And indeed, level three. As to, as to which one will happen, who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Dave, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, um, this is Tony Hoolan back in the job 24 hours, is it? Yes, I just think there was a bit of a connection and it's a bit coincidental that he came back to work over the weekend because if you remember back in March or April, I think he, you know, he was pretty severe and uh, in the way he operated with the restrictions and the levels back in, uh, in March and April. And he's now back the weekend, and then there's a decision that we're possibly going to level five. I just think that there was a Yeah, because we had a thousand positive cases over the weekend when you added it all up, and the number of patients in hospitals also increasing, you know? 
But I think, I think like you... Oh, yeah, 364 yesterday. the same brush. I think Dr. John Sheen, that's a little later on, that you're talking about the schools, you know, that you, that um, if there's a cluster and not cluster in a couple of schools, well, then you deal with it individually. Like, there's every evening in, in the news of the... The figures for each county are called out, and yeah, just in countries. Yeah, and, and we case. and and we had um, we had a hundred. Uh, sorry, Cork had fifty-five yesterday. Fifty-five. Yeah, but there were hundred in Dublin, fifty-five in Cork. Yeah, but there were a number of counties that had no cases, and there was a number of counties that had one or two cases. Yeah, but three so, weeks ago, Cork was one of those, and we're not now. Yeah, but isn't yeah, but I mean, if there's counties with no cases, isn't that absolutely crazy? to come along and tell that county, sorry, we're locking you down for four weeks. I mean, that doesn't make sense. I mean, and you said, it, the only way to deal with it, and most European countries are dealing with people that are not complying with the restrictions, is to find but, them. But we're, we're, in this, we're in this because of the people who weren't playing ball. Yeah, but you're getting, like, the party, for the last two months, there's people getting away with those parties and congregating, and, like, there's nothing to be done. Like we're a great, we're a great country. Like to, to 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 implement laws, but for years and years and years they're not implemented. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I know. I, I saw the I saw the marquees. It was heartbreaking where we had marquees for supposedly for communions, but it was actually just for glorified piss ups. But has somebody was saying on social media this morning that sport, particularly the GAA, have been given a free pass in all of this, and that GAA is a big problem. Well, like, look at, look at the county final, the Patrick No, but apparently there was a problem with some Glenmire match down in, was it Parky Ring? Wasn't it? Was, there was, there was, I see that photograph in the paper yeah. all weekend, yeah. Yeah. Like, why is that allowed to happen? Well, the officials in that particular club are not complying with, with the, the regulations, but if you look at Parky Keeve yesterday, stadium that holds it, is a pot near 50,000. And like there was a number of people in the stand, but like behind both goals and the and the riverside, there wasn't a spectator. So I mean, that's 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 that's, 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 that's totally ridiculous. I just think Neil myself, and I was saying to people for months, um, we we have the virus. Hopefully, we have a vaccine in the next three or four to six months. But in the meantime, we just have to get on with our own personal responsibility. Yeah, and just but they, they yeah, and people, yes, but you see, people did, and it was those that didn't have us back in this again. And really, there was no powers to stop the people who wouldn't play ball. So I'm saying, no matter what level you put the country on, what difference will it make? I won't. I mean, I actually think that I, I think that they'll be if they, if we do go to level five, I think the people won't accept this, and there'll be, uh, I say, numerous masters on the dial and. Matches around the co- I don't think people will accept it, Neil. So I people won't buy it. into it then? You think that they... No, they won't. Because the people that are obeying... Nine, we say 80% of the people in the country are obeying the regulations. So you just can't come along and tell that 80%, sorry, we're closing everything. But may, I know, but maybe you maybe that has to happen because, you know, the, all of those house parties to get the get-togethers, the people on the street, the people gathering, uh, you know, the grief over the mask, none of them will be allowed out. So, right, yeah. so you know, they 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 may be able to get to an off license or a supermarket for drink, but they got to go back home with it. They can't go to their buddies. No, I don't. As a matter of fact, Neil, I I'd make a decision now. I'd have a, if, if I was a betting man, I would say because they have the full dialer meeting today, the full cabinet meeting, 
and they'll be discussing this, I would imagine, I, would, I don't think the level five is going to come in. I think there'll be too many objections in the government in the, from the from the parties. I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, but even for business, level three is bad. Never mind your five, even if they settle on level three. And I believe I believe the IRFU, the rugby, have only enough money to keep them afloat until December. And if this level five comes in, rugby is finished. Probably Jake will be finished. Sporting, I mean. Like, economically, it'll be, it'll be a disaster. But I mean, it, it, more importantly, it's the mental state of people for the next four or five weeks. If this comes in, like, it's going to be astronomical and the problem is going to bring down the line. Thank you for that. Back yeah. after the break on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Mike standing by. I also want to read out text because it's uh, thick and fast this morning with those as well. Back after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Saw a video actually f- posted by the great Martin Shanahan down in uh, in Fishy Fishy down in Kinsale yesterday, and it's a very very sad looking video. I can tell you that. Uh, actually, it wasn't from yesterday. It was on the thirtieth of uh, September, uh, I believe, and. It's said 2.30pm in Fishy um, and we might as well be closed and the video footage goes all around the restaurant. I'm not 100% sure what day it was but it goes all around the restaurant and it is completely and utterly empty. It's like as if the door had never been opened and others are feeling the same pain. I was watching his uh, his Twitter feed and then other restaurants are coming on board um, commenting alongside the video footage saying that they're in the same situation trying to do their best. Um, anyway, that's where we're at now. Uh, well, where we're at now is we just don't know. But Liz says if the government are going to put Ireland back into lockdown, then schools, creches, colleges should all, all be closed too. That's where most of the cases are coming from. Also, to prevent a spike in cases where, say, college students or house parties are involved, off-licenses should also be closed. There should be three weeks of complete lockdown and the government should give the guards more powers to intervene. Maybe we can bring in our army to protect our country too. That's a fairly heavy-hitting text, I can tell you. Uh, Mind you, we did a lot of those things last time out, didn't we, when we went into complete lockdown and we killed it off. Well, we didn't kill it off, but we flattened the curve, as they say, for a while. But it's back again now. Uh, Mike, good morning. Hi, Anil. How are you keeping? What do you think of that? To prevent a spike in cases, uh, off-licenses should be closed. There should be three weeks of complete lockdown and give the guards more power. What do you make of that? I wouldn't go for it. I think the economy still needs to go. That's, that's so important, right? Look, what Neffet are saying, right, the problem isn't home domestic situations. Isn't that true? Um, what Neffet are saying is what? That it's in the homes. It's the biggest problem is the transmission in the homes. In domestic situations. Yes, but it's so not starting in the homes, you see. No, no, but I understand, right? But it's still, if, if you have a young person coming back and it's passing it on to somebody else in the home, right? So my suggestion would be for maybe two weeks, right? Leave it at level two at the moment, right? And just say, no home visits. Because if you go to five, it says no home visits. Can we just do the no home visits now and leave it at two? I think it's a very simple, because it's very complicated at the moment. If it goes to five, you have to do I, you have to do B, you have to do C. So just go tomorrow morning and say, we're leaving it at two, uh, at three for Dublin, Donegal, and say, no home visits. And try it for two weeks. Like going to, it's like, it's, it's a serious thing going to five, and I don't think they should do it. I think it's very obvious what they should do. Yeah, that would be... Um Level four, you're talking about for no home well, visits. No, so you, no, 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 just leave it. Just bring an addition in. Just say, look, we're just bringing this in. Leave it the way it is for the moment, and say no home visit to anybody. You stay in your home in the story, and leave the economy at the way it is. 
for two or three weeks. Which would yeah. leave, which would leave us at level two, um, except for the home visits. Absolutely. Just add that little thing on and try it. Like I think there, if you look at five, in my opinion, right, it's the home thing that they're saying. I understand bringing it back. Now, the only thing they'd have to enforce it, that's the only problem I could see, right? But certainly, as an addendum to say, level two into R3, do this and see how you get on. Could be up for discussion this morning because maybe somebody has the same idea as you and they might pitch that as being a solution. Just shut down all visits to people's homes indoor or even outdoors in the home. Absolutely. Try it. But what about secondary schools? I mean, even even the teachers are unhappy being back at school. I understand that, right? I understand that. And that's another problem, right? But at least my point is when they're coming back like, from the schools, and I said, I'm living not far from a kid's the school and I can see them all talking close like you know yeah but so, yeah I understand but when they come back to the house they're staying inside people are not coming in help it must we must try something like we're, we're trying to get if we go to five it's like getting a sledgehammer to break and not let's try this I think it's a very simple it may not work but I think we need to say if it's transmission in the home we need to try this See, the INTO, which is the primary teachers union, is saying that if we go to level five or it's announced today, then um, they want... So they a ref- yeah, exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. So can I just try, try my idea? I think they should try it. Okay, my man, appreciate that. Let me stay with one or two fast call. Well, one anyway, just this side of uh, this side of 10. Johnny, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Oh, it's very bad line. Can you just maybe move around or speak up a bit? Yeah, can you hear me now, Niall? Yeah, just very briefly. You wanted to pick up on the GAA, is it? Yeah, there's no authority about the GAA and all the matches and all the movies. They have loads of money. There's no free of them. There's the musicians that they All right, I'll come back if I can get a better line after 10. My sincerest apologies. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Absolutely no point in going back into lockdown if the schools stay open, says Brian. You're talking about 250 to 300 people in a small school in the same building for at least six hours a day. Then parents collecting the kids at the gate and the kids are mixing, the parents are mixing. It's not going to work. Barbara says, a big thank you to all the people People that protested in the street with no masks on, particularly again at the weekend, and to all of those who didn't stick to social distancing measures. Thanks to all the people who were partying in their homes, and thanks to all the people that, that are wearing masks under their noses. Thank you to all of you, as we're screwed again. And Stanley says, what a load of muck. How can the government and Neffet even entertain the thought of having the country put back into lockdown? Surely they calculated the risk factors involved, like recession. More mental health issues, suicides, the list goes on. It's time to build a bridge and get over this. We can't go into a lockdown each time the case numbers go up. We'll pick up on that. Text 0868104106 and calls as well after 10. And you can text 0868104106. Alan says the economy is on its knees right now. Another lockdown will bury the country for good. The case numbers are high, but the death numbers are very low. So there's no need to panic. If death numbers started getting high again, then they could look at another lockdown. It's only scaremongering right now. Well, I think some of the conversations this morning will be about trying to balance people's mental health, um, you know, social anxiety issues and the economic consequences already and also the added economic consequences of a level five lockdown. Uh, I feel it's scare tactics, says Aileen, to get people 
uh, wake up and take notice of what's happening. Now, that is very interesting that this is just to, to scare people into copping on. The country can't afford level five lockdown repercussions again. Uh, from listening and watching the news, the case numbers have risen so much over the past 10 days. It has been so scary to see, especially when COVID is almost on everyone's doorstep. I walk my dogs every day. It's very noticeable this past week how many uh, people are respecting social distancing rules now again because of worry that's out there. Fingers crossed we will all be safe. She thinks it might be a scare tactic to wake people up. Um, I take no pleasure at all in talking about the events down in Blackrock uh, yesterday, uh, particularly on Church Road, big road, Church Road, because it should be celebratory, winning the county after so many years. But unfortunately, those in that parade and those that gathered to went, welcome the team home up the Church Road, um, the scenes are just disgraceful. I mean, it's like as if uh, like there's no coronavirus or issues at all. Uh, I, wonder, I wonder, do people just get caught up in the moment and forget or what? I just can't rationalize it. Ted says every bar, school and pub reopened in June and there was no spike in cases and everything was OK. Schools reopened and the cases kept on rising. Uh, I wouldn't be too worried about the pubs. It's not their fault. Schools are the reason for the increase. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. The rest of the hospitality industry is suffering because of schools. So there's reams and reams of these. And again, we are very much talking about what possibly might happen. We don't know that it definitely will happen. It could be uh, some kind of a trade-off, um, you know, with a bit of a mix of all levels, staying at level two perhaps, uh, but no home visits would be an interesting option that was made as a suggestion just before 10. Helen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Nice to talk to you. And you too. Um uh, what do you make of this? No, no, listen, no, I know you're only a young friend, you wouldn't remember it, but I'm into history. And this is how the Third Reich started with Hitler. Because people are just going to go mad and they won't respect authority and blah, 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 and we're going to be there. And the, the, the gang up in the Reich stack, she might be idle to talk to them. What do you mean by people won't accept it? People won't accept being told what to do. And Hitler came to power when that happened in the, in Poland and, you know, in Germany. So we're entering a fourth strike. Yeah, but what's going to happen? You're talking about anarchy, is it? I, there's going to be anarchy. There's going to be water. Look, read your history. Look back at documentaries and see what happened. So are you against lockdowns or are you, are you saying that, um, you know, we should just... I think it's, it's all propaganda to keep us in order. And as well as that, we are letting people cross the rivers and the oceans, letting drown just because we're in the bloody EEC, which is a horrible thing to be in. I'm glad Britain is getting out, even though everything is going to cost us a fortune. But the thing about it is, it's control. How how, how how do you mean? Like what, what what do you mean control? Control of what? Control of of the human being. Control. You can't do this. You can't do that. So you all governments all over the world have quietly come together with this plan, is it? Yes. 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 Unbeknownst yes, to the rest of us, like they've been planning all of this. Well, if you really look into it, I'm telling you. Fort Wright coming up now. A fine hunt. You just don't think that it just could be um, a, a killer disease that needs to be got under control, no? 
Yes, it is. But it's, it's like like when there's a flood, trying to put your finger in the dam. There was 50 million people killed more than World War One in 1918. Yeah. By the Spanish flu, as they call it, even though it was the Spanish flu. Well, it started in America, actually, didn't it? It started in the hen house. Okay, okay. Anyway, uh, that's all I want to say. I'm thanks for that. Okay, Johnny Bongos, there wasn't a great phone line there before 10. Is it any better? My my apologies, Neil. Is this okay for you? Okay, that's better. Go ahead. That's good. No, just I just saying down Neil, that um, there are talked about other organisations, but the musicians and actors are suffering very badly too. You know, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Uh, very badly, and I agree. I, I agree. There, my the last corner down might be about level two, like you know, level three. You know, if everybody play the game, everybody play that path, like you know. It might, you know, it might be better, like, you know, so some do, some don't, you know. Well, maybe the only way to get everybody to cop on is to shut everything down. Right. Um, I mean, to shut everything down, uh, the, the whole country, is it? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's, well, level five doesn't mean everything shut down because the schools would stay open, creches would yeah. stay open, but... Anybody that could work from home would work from home. You could exercise up to five kilometers. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. the pubs would be shut. The restaurants yeah. would be shut. The cafes would be shut yeah. except for, for takeout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You couldn't have anybody yeah. into and your homes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and and if, everybody played a game. They cannot just uh, go by the rules. Like, you know, it might, it might be way better. Like, you know, that's all I needed to say. To no, but you also you know. said that um, to bring in the army, is it? Yeah, bring bring in the army, control the house parties and stuff. You know, if they have to, like you know, to do that, you know what I mean, to control the house parties. Yeah, but would people tolerate that? that? Seeing the like, would people tolerate seeing the army on the streets? I I wouldn't think so. But to be to my to my just frighten them off, not to have it done, like you know, okay, not to have the house parties, you know, mate. Okay, you know? okay, thank you, Johnny. Gina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, uh, schools absurd, you say. Absolutely absurd. If we're going into level five, school should be shut down. Why is it? Now, I, I'm a mom of four. Why is it that Why is it that my children's safety isn't as paramount as, say, someone working in a, in a takeaway? They're going to be shut, or like in a, a pub, they're going to be shut down. So why can't the schools be shut down and put my children... I understand that schools and education is important, but my children's safety is paramount to me. And it should be to every other parent. So, to me, my priority is keeping my children safe. Yeah. Having them in a school setting is not safe. It's Why? Not are safe you are you moment. hearing that they're unsafe in school? Well, they're, they're definitely unsafe in school setting, in in the school settings and in the school transport. Um, three of my children are in secondary school. Um, in one school that my two of my children go to, there has been cases of... Um, COVID, which is fine. I understand people are going to get it, but what has what what the issue is that the, we're getting a letter from the HSE because we we've got like the HSE send a letter to the school. The school send the, the email then to the parents saying that there has been a positive case. Nothing needs to be done because the classroom setting, according to the HSE, does not come into the um, setting of close contact. So the two meters that two meters distance that we all have to adhere to does not apply in schools in the classroom. Okay, so if a child in a classroom in a secondary school, for instance, or a primary for that matter, tests positive, what happens to the rest of the children in the class? 
from from what I have seen in the school that my children attend to, nothing. There's there's also been a case, a positive case on the school bus, um, and bus Aaron have has contacted no one on the, of no other parent, no parent has been contacted to say that and there's been a positive case. Is on this a, the is this bus. a bus that carried one of your kids? It's three of them. So your three kids were on a bus, a bus errand, school bus, where there was a positive case? Yes. And nobody contacted you? No. No, and the buses are running at full capacity. There's children, like, they're sitting next to each other, but that's not classed as, from my understanding, because I didn't get notified, obviously it's not classed as close, close contact either. So what is? What, yeah. what, in, in, what is, like, the, the normal public transport are running at reduced capacity. Yeah. But to take my children to school, it's okay. You can herd them in like sardines. Fine. How how is that fair? How is that how is that putting my children's safety first? Yeah. yeah. How is the, how how is the, how is that putting children's safety paramount? And I'm not talking about all children, not just mine. And when you say I mean, children, you're talking about kids up to the age of seventeen, maybe even eighteen, is it? I have a child gone into do leaving cert. Right. He's seventeen. I have a child sixteen. I have a child thirteen. And They're he's in, he's in a, your seventeen year old. You're saying is in a bus where the kids, the others are on top of each other on the buses. Yeah. Right. So is my sixteen year old, and so is my thirteen year old. The bus is running at full capacity. So do you worry so at all then when they come home? Very, very, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think any parent. I think any parent worries. They just try not to show it to their children. Um, like I'm listening to their, oh, we're going to level five, but it's okay, the schools are reopen. I, I'm seriously contemplating if it goes into level five, not sending my children to school. Because I, I just think that they're not, they're like, the, break, the, the main numbers at the moment are between 15 and 45 year olds. If, like, if, if yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And even, even 15 and 34 year olds is even higher, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like my children come into that category. Like my eldest son, whereas he's seventeen, he's still class. He, he would still be an adult. He'd, you know, whereas before there was like, oh, children don't carry it and children don't get it. Yeah, they but do. seventeen, eighteen-year-olds are, inter- are not children really per se. He's not. Neither is my sixteen-year-old. All right. Okay. Okay. You know, so it's just it's just very very bizarre. And as I said, I tried ringing Boss Aaron, um, and all I got, I was on hold for forty minutes with them. Um, I sent an email. I've got no reply. I just want to see what their what their would it make a difference the taking them off the buses and getting them to school another way? No, I don't think so. But well, not that I don't think so because I still worry. But I mean, there's not like they're still in a like again in according to the HSE, a, a classroom is not close contact. But it is for family, like for instance, if a child tests positive in a school, the whole family have been told to restrict their movements. Yeah. Yeah, but not the rest of the class. Okay. All not right. the rest of the class. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Gina. When you look it's at the... Just, yeah. It's, to me, it's just, it's conflicting um, information that's coming. They're they're telling a certain part, portion of the population to do this and the others to do this. I mean, it should be unified straight down the middle. I mean, if the doll can't fit, why should my child be inside in a classroom full of... Because uh, they say that it's a risk worth taking for their education. That's the thing. 
Yeah, but it, really, at the end of the day, I mean, let's face it, a risk worth taking for their education, they're after making a complete hands of the, what was the leaving cert this year. But they did that for the safety of the children. Right. But I mean, they're, they're, playing with, they're playing with mental health here. And as I said, I have a child starting, he started in September, he's, he's gone into his leaving cert year. And I mean, they're so far behind. They, I mean, this new stuff they've done for the, the leaving cert in 2021, it's farcical. It's for the leaving for the higher English. They've given you instead of a multiple choice of four, they've now given you a multiple choice of five. Oh, I know, it's I, know, I, know, good. I know, I know. But if you don't have the the course covered, and they don't. What good is it? Okay, interesting text here on what you're saying. One of them says, if that lady is so concerned about her children, just don't send them to school. But again, again, you have, you're have you only allowed to have your children out of school for 20 days before you have um, the government down in top of you for, yeah, okay. about, for not having, you know, I mean, that COVID should have been taken into consideration for this. But again, my point is they're not. They're not taking things into consideration, whereas they are with other people. Okay, thanks for that. Lots of calls on this and texts as well, not to mention emails. I was listening in the morning, Neil, as I'm a courier, and to be frank, I'm sick of hearing about how bad the government are doing. To be honest, I've never voted in my life, 43 years old now, and I used to be a proud Corkman. I'm actually going to register to vote in the next elections as I have total respect for what the government are doing. This is a worldwide problem. We're a small country, and I think they're doing their best. Cases of COVID in schools are rising because of the parents, not the government. Long before schools went back, kids were meeting up, as they always have, and that's down to parents, not schools. Bars and pubs being closed was surely not what the government wanted, as it meant no taxes. I would really appreciate this being read out. Me and my wife are technically frontline staff, as my wife works in a Circle K garage and gets disrespected constantly by stupid, clueless people. Thank you, David. I'd love if you came back and gave me some examples of what your wife has to put up with at work. Perhaps you might consider doing that. Um, Another one here. I've been looking at the reported numbers from COVID every day. There are many people who have not researched these figures, and we're just going by the daily figures being published. We all need to get a proper breakdown of the numbers. If we did, then we would realize that the numbers are exaggerated and camouflaged to scare the public. Up to the 27th of September this year, 1,803 deaths were reported. 1,707 of those deaths were people who had underlying conditions. That means 96 deaths of people with no underlying conditions. Of the 1,803, only 468 of those were admitted to ICU. This cannot be correct. You would imagine if you had covid uh, and we're dying with it, you would be admitted to ICU. What happened to the 1,350 people not admitted? Did hospitals just leave them die with no ICU bed or treatment? I don't think so. Over a 1,000 deaths occurred in nursing homes at the start when the HSE dumped the elderly and sick people into them to free up hospitals for the COVID onslaught that never came. These poor people were not tested and they infected the nursing homes on arrival. The government are responsible for all those deaths in the nursing homes from COVID. Also, there's a big difference between a COVID death and a COVID-related death. If you are admitted to hospital with a broken leg and you test positive for COVID, you will be reported as being hospitalized due to COVID on the daily figures, even if you're not showing symptoms and are asymptomatic. Also, if you die in a car crash and you test positive, you'll be reported as a COVID death until the coroner reports um, is issued, which takes some time to complete. Um, ask TDs these questions. Um, about the daily COVID meetings. 
uh, and see how the irregularities are being reported with regards to COVID deaths. Keep up the great work, says Keith. Uh, very interesting. Many texts on it, in- interestingly. The economy's on its knees right now. Another lockdown will bury the country for good. The case numbers are high, but the death numbers are very low. So there's no need to panic. If the death numbers start getting high again, then they should look at another lockdown. It's only scaremongering at the moment. In fact, a texter here says, I certainly won't be abiding by this rule. Uh, blasted, I've lost it from the screen there. Somebody was saying that they won't be abiding by the rule. Now come back to it when I can find it again. There's just so many texts coming in at this stage. Uh, we'll come back to it throughout the course uh, of the morning. Aileen says, scare tactics to get people to wake up and take notice. I like that. That text from earlier on. If everything, everything, bars, schools, pubs reopened in June. Um, maybe that's the reason why. You know, maybe some texters this morning are seeing the sense in further restrictions and perhaps even uh, you know, some suggesting that level five for three weeks might put manners on people and might even put manners on coronavirus. When you look at the uh, cases per 100,000 and these are the things that need to be looked at, you know, maybe not uh, as much as we are dealing with the amount of daily cases, but um, certainly hospital beds. ICU beds, they're the numbers we need to be looking at. But when you look at the rest of the European Union um, for the amount of hospital admissions, and I think that's the important thing, hospital admissions, uh, they work it out on a basis per 100,000 people. And France has six, Belgium four, Spain three, uh, and so on and so forth, all the way down to Ireland, which is the last in this list with 0.2. So France, six per 100,000, Ireland, 0.2. And they're talking about a level five. Some people can't make sense of that. Keep those calls coming. one 106 Laura, good morning. Good morning. I'm told that you're just back from Cyprus, is it? That's correct, yeah. I came back on Friday. And it says you'd do anything to go back there? Well, it's beautiful. For a start, it's warm. I'm very safe. I do know it's on the green list. Um... To get in there, their government have very strict laws, unlike our own. You can't enter ports or airports without um, a negative COVID test that you have to have done. And it can't be, um, like, it can't be a HSD test that has to be done privately, like, and things like that, because you're using resources if you use the HSC. Um, and you did that, did you? Oh, we had to, because once you, once you get to the airport... Now, I would say we flew out of Dublin Airport and it was nowhere as busy as a shopping centre. Anywhere in the was very quiet. Um, in order to board your flight, you needed to have your negative COVID test or you were, you were sent home. You couldn't board your flight. So, which in effect meant the whole flight was COVID free. Now, everyone did wear masks on the flight. It was a full flight. You could take your mask off if you needed a drink or a bite to eat or whatever, but everybody, everybody wore them. Um, when you got off into the airport, you, you, first of all, you were told, like, you know, put your masks on, that you'd be disembarking and blah, blah, blah. Walking through the airport, of, um, you had your COVID test. Again, you had to display your certificate, your passport. So you, you it was very well organised. Taxi, you wear your mask. And you couldn't, when you get to your accommodation, your hotel, your B&B or wherever you're staying, if you didn't have a negative COVID test there, you weren't allowed, you weren't allowed to stay. Mm, you had to show the test. 
Yeah. So I went with two pals and we just said, it's on the green list. We were meant to be going away that week anyway to the Canary Islands and it got cancelled weeks ago, months ago. And it came up and we said, do you know what? We'll go. Like, it's obviously very safe. And it was so wet, like it was so safe. It was so, so safe in our in our hotel complex. You just knew that everybody staying there was COVID free. You weren't allowed into the hotel unless you were resident at the hotel. Um, same at restaurants and taxis. They've just done it so different to here. Mm, mm. So different. And we were into. So you're saying that everybody that you were mixing with in in Cyprus had a uh, well, everybody a, in our complex had a COVID test yeah. that showed that they didn't have yeah. it. Because the first thing we were asked for when we got to the whole, when we got we were greeted, but then we arrived in late. It was like one o'clock in the morning, and the receptionist knew we were coming late, but was wait was at the door, and there was you couldn't get past the door without displaying your COVID test. Yeah, but that's fine for tourists. But what you can't say anything about is Cypriot people who are in there, no, people around you. No, I did. You know, a hundred percent. But I had met. I there's a my husband and family member living there. Elderly, she's seventy. 75, she's lived in there for the past 10 years now. And she, it's like, in the week, in the week that we were there, there was less than 180 confirmed COVID cases in the whole island. And here we had 2,000. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't go into a lift, an elevator, you can't... The airports, the police, the armed police are in the airport and they were stopping. We noticed this ourselves when we were going back, like our mask was around to cover your nose, cover your mouth. Um, there was a lad in front just getting out of a taxi and he, he was making his way into the airport, into departures. And armed police, no, fixed your mask. Made him, like, you had to take it off and put it on properly. I know what you mean. So, this is the, like, I think the, the green list only has four now, doesn't it? Of, of, yeah, of which Cyprus all, yeah. is one of them, isn't it, still? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Cyprus, Finland, Latvia and Liechtenstein, I believe, isn't it? That's it, yeah. yeah. And did you, okay, okay. And did you, when you came back then, did you get another test or did you limit your movements? or anything? Limited my movements. I'm actually still at home. I knock up, I took a, another week from work. Um, as you know, because it's a green list, you don't have to. No, you don't. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I could have gone back into work Saturday because I came back Friday and I, like, I'm not. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm at home. Yeah, and I'm not going back into work till Friday. And did you feel any amount of guilt or did anybody criticise you? or? T- nope, absolutely nothing. If anything, we, we were worried about that myself and my two friends and we were kind of going, geez, people now be whinging or you'll always have somebody. Yeah, because like many uh, Irish yeah. people would even be worried about going, say Cork yeah. people now the moment would be worried about going to Kerry. Yeah. You know, or going to but, uh, even I, I East or West that. Cork, you know? We, we, we kind of said, look, when we go, we'll go stay in Ireland for a weekend, we'll head away, you know, we'll go somewhere nice. And I had done my staycation earlier in the summer with my family. Um, but after being away, you can see you can see the greed in our government here because you can you can land in Dublin Cork Shannon Airport and fill out a passenger locator form. Nobody greeted us in the airport coming home. Mm-hmm. Nobody segregated a green list flight from a red list flight. 
Yeah, you know what but, I mean? yeah, we're not really yeah. seeing numbers related to COVID coming in from overseas travel. Uh, however, just bear in mind the test that yeah. you got is only good for you in that moment, like uh, you know, like the I next day, the day after. Anybody else? I suppose I could, like, we, like myself and the my pals that went, where none of us have felt anything since we've come back, or like we're fine, like we're restricting our movements. It's just well done over there. We felt, yeah. and a lot of the we we met plenty of other Irish there, and felt the same. That and if you couldn't get, if it wasn't a, an H, a HSE one, which is the free one, where did you get it? You can't go. Oh yeah, so you you can't you can't get a HSE one. You well you, it's not accepted. So where where, where was where did you have the test? So they're private companies. So you've one in Little Island, Galway. Um, Limerick and Dublin. So the little island test you got, um, how much was that? 180 euro. It's a lot of dosh, isn't it? A lot of dosh. And I tell you, if I was going with my family, we wouldn't be going at all. It's far too dear. Okay. Especially, I'm going on my own, you know, out of the house. So okay. if I was going with my husband and the kids, that's another 800 euro on your holiday. And um, how quickly did you get the result of it? 70, uh, sorry, so we had the test done. We flew Friday. More, we flew the Friday afternoon actually. We had the test done. The, the company time, they, what time your flight is, so it has to be done within 72 hours of your departure. So we had our test on the Wednesday morning at 8.30 a.m. and our results came through to us when, sorry, Thursday, Wednesday morning we had it done at 8.30 and Thursday evening, um, half nine, ten, the results came through. And without that, you can't get your flight pass because you have to upload your documents. And what's wrong with pass. the HSC test? Why have they an issue with that? Well, I would imagine if you're, why would you use the HSC test? You're clogging resources. Okay. For, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. That, would, that would be, and a lot of people did say to us, oh, just pretend you're sick. And we're, no, why would you do that? Yeah, okay. You know? okay. okay. You're not going to make up symptoms. Yeah. Okay, all right. Appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Much yeah. obliged. Appreciate the call. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Again, I just made that point there. Thank you, Laura. Uh, your COVID test is only good for uh, the moment in which you've taken it. Yeah, but like we said, by for everybody, a COVID test is only relevant the day you're tested, board a flight, and three days later, your negative result is actually irrelevant. Uh, morning. Tell that lady Cyprus is only has a, only a population of one point two million, which is a quarter of Ireland's population. So 180 cases in a week would equate to 800 cases here. So not as good she makes it out to be. And that's with all their protocols. Well, either you have a green list of countries or you don't like, you know, and it happens to be on the green list of countries. So it may be morally wrong, but there's nothing else wrong with it apart from that. Um, you can shut down schools. I get that. But you can shut down all restaurants, pubs and shops where the majorities have no issues we're turning into a laughing stock. In Germany on Friday night, there was 11,000 at Dortmund's game. And yet over here, Neffet are suggesting level five. At this stage now, it's just becoming embarrassing. Uh, I'm done with you, Neil. I'm uh, now for having a doctor on agreeing with the lockdown. Bye bye. I think you're referring to my conversation. Oh, you're not even listening to me now, but you, that texture was referring to the conversation with John Sheehan earlier on. Let them shut the country so we can flatten the curve again and maybe have some sort of Christmas to celebrate with our loved ones. 
says Keith. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. It's interesting research out this morning in the UK talking about the importance of touch and it's all very well with regards to touch from loved ones, whether they, you know, maybe a hug uh, or just a touch or a rub. Uh, but also they're talking about the importance of the touch of strangers and more and more people are missing the touch of strangers. It's interesting because you talk about, you know, issues involving uh, depression, particularly amongst younger generations because of, uh, you know, the way things are and have been for the last uh, six or seven months. I know I keep on referencing March, but I was just going through old emails and texts at the weekend and we were talking about covid at the start of February, uh, and indeed there was even articles in the tabloids in January talking about this worrying uh, flu-like uh, disease and illness coming out of China. So it's a lot longer than March. We're really talking about uh, nine, ten months at this stage. But there was an article making the Telegraph on Saturday. I just want to pass it on for what it's worth. So in spite of people, you know, struggling uh, with their mental health um, and the anxiety that people are going through, that's with us anyway, uh, even if there wasn't anything like COVID-19. And a lot of it has to do with the lack of duty of care of tech giants when it comes to young people's health. It was a, an alarming report out of the weekend uh, that looked at 16 to 24-year-olds, particularly young women in the UK. And the stat is alarming because it said a third of all young women are suffering from anxiety and depression. Uh, and much of it is being blamed by the experts on the 24-7 nature of social media. I saw a very interesting um, a grab there online some weeks ago. I think it was Pat Phelan shared it with some buddy of his. And his buddy was saying um, that we that you could sum up the word now by saying that we are sad people with happy pictures. Or words to that effect. And it was a kind of a profound statement if you stop and think about it. Sad people with happy pictures. Um, so they released this information saying that over 30% of young women are suffering depression and anxiety. And this is in 2017, 2018. So imagine what it's like now in 2020. And it's marking the same increase in the amount of time people spend on social media platforms. They're putting it down to an excessive use of social media. And it is driving depression and anxiety and it is increasing loneliness and what they call turbulent friendships. Um, many, many people surveyed, young people surveyed, reported being unhappy with their lives. And much of it, of course, is not needed. They don't need to be unhappy with their lives because they're comparing it to other people's lives that are fabricated and made up. Again, I'm back to the sad people with happy pictures. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Um, I want to find some more of those texts, if you don't mind, that have coming in from that are coming in from this morning. Because if we don't do many of those texts now, uh, they could be irrelevant when an announcement is made. So let's spend some time on those um, throughout the course of the next hour or so and get some more of those texts on the air. And I will be touching on other topics, including um, great response to Friday's program and the games people play. And I want to read out many of those texts. Because uh, it's a lot of fun, and Friday was fun, including um, the. You remember we spoke about the conjun box. I got a lovely email in from John because I was wondering. I know what it is. It's like a little piggy bank, but where did the word conjun come about? Come from? And he said, "I reckon the name conjun box is a twisted pigeon English version of coinage box or piggy bank." 
which as small kids in the 50s and 60s we dearly treasured. I remember meeting an old lady one day when I had my infant child in my arms and she insisted on giving me a coin, either a 20p or a half crown, and she said, it's for Hansel. Not Hansel and Gretel now, but Hansel. I'm just wondering if any of your listeners would know where that phrase came from or what does it mean to get a Hansel. You don't hear that so much anymore. Um, no doubt there's somebody out there will explain the origins of a text 0868104106. So I'll do some more of those between now and midday as well. Tracy is standing by. First up, Adele, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm going to blast through calls, if you don't mind, so you have the oh, floor. Oh, yeah, no, what? that suits me, because I... <laughs> no, I just heard the uh, contributor. There was a lady all very nervous about her children going to school. Yeah. And I, I just feel that the, the school should, obviously, in my view, stay open. And if anybody is nervous about their children going to school, maybe keep them out of school and that the lessons could be recorded or whatever. Because my son is back. The schools have done tremendous work. The communication between the schools and the parents is exceptional. He's thrilled to be back. He's in much better form. He has structure. He's routine. He's back with his friends. He has his homework. And it's all fantastic from that point of view. So I'm just saying, if you're nervous, maybe keep your children out, but please don't ruin it for those of us that are delighted our children are back in school. Would there not be grief then from the Department of Education if Johnny or Mary don't go to school? Well, that's up to the Department of Education to um, ensure that there wouldn't be grief. I mean, we're supposed to keep our children out if they have a cold and all of that. That's fine. So the 21-day rule can't really apply this year. So the Department of Education would have to ensure that the parents of the children that are out of school, if they're that nervous about going in, that they have the structures in place um, to, you know, go online or whatever. Okay. But okay. leave our children that you, want you, to You're saying categorically that you want your kids, your sons and daughters to go to school? Absolutely. In spite, of the, fact that the te- in spite of the fact that the teachers will demand immediate reviews of schools being opened if we go into level five? Well, I don't think we should be going into level five anyway. I think that's outrageous to be going from level two to level five. Where's the data to support that for the counties that are level two? What happened to the road plan? You're supposed to go from two to three, three to four. Tony Hoolan went back to work, I suppose. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, you, it, there's possibly a link there, but that, that, that's, it's, that's ridiculous. I mean, there should be an incentive for counties to say, you know, get the rate down so you can go back from three to two. But just putting people from two to five is outrageous, in my view. Okay, let's see and what happens. People will not buy, people will not buy into it. Why, why do you, like, when people say people won't buy into it, what do you actually mean by that? I just mean that, you know, there will be anger, there will be resentment. People will think they're being fooled and conned. They will be interpreting the data, sort of saying, are they really giving us the right facts and figures? Why are we going for, where's the OR number now? That was what we were, that's how we were communicated before was the OR number. Now it's per 100,000. So I think there's a lot of people that are beginning to look. Your number's about 1.4, I think, isn't it? Is it? Well, I don't know. I haven't heard the, the OR number being communicated for like literally weeks now. You know, it's all per 100,000. And why can't they set it a target that, you know, if you're running a business, you set targets for your staff to incentivize them. Why can't they say the target from two to three is above a certain number, so don't go there? 
And or look at hospital admissions, for instance, or the amount exactly. of people using ICU beds. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, all of those things are so important. And the other thing I'd like to say before, I know you're busy, and I'm not saying, you know, masks are, 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 are bad, but I'm just wondering, when masks came in, I've seen an awful lot of people use them so badly that maybe, and with the mask on, they're coming up much closer to you because they can't obviously hear or read your body language. Whereas before, with masks off, we I think we were maintaining social distance. Yeah, but I think better. I think really the numbers that we're seeing are really from people who aren't wearing masks at all. Uh, that's possibly true as well. But I, I've seen very few people with no masks on. You know, I've uh, seen yeah, a lot but of you're not. But, but you're not at house parties. You're not at. You know. Oh no, I'm not. not. You're, no, you're no, probably not no. hanging out in pubs that are jammed with people. Or I'm whatever. certainly not. No, I'm not. But thing. I do have seen people's masks shoved into their pockets, taken out, shoved back into their pockets. And as a food safety um, consultant, I've seen lots of deli workers, and when they put their the gloves on, they think they're immune to everything. The bin has been open with their gloves on. They're scratching the hair with their gloves on. So people have to be instructed that if you're going to wear a mask, you absolutely wear it, but wear it correctly, you know? Okay, okay. Thanks for so that. Just to, Okay. Cheers, Cheers Adele. Um, wonder, thank you. I wonder how the supermarkets are doing because of this uh, fear of uh, you know an announcement of level five. Thank you to Tracy from Tracy Cakes, who's waited an age and she's here with me now. Tracy, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I love watching your Instagram page just to see your latest <laughs> creations. <laughs> like, I'm delighted. You look at it. Thank you. I do all of the time. It's almost like something you'd expect Michelangelo to create. It's they're just gorgeous. How's business been? Thank you. Well, do you know what? I suppose I was closed for weeks and weeks. And um, when I came back, which, you know, was God, I can't remember when it was now, probably June at some stage, I haven't stopped. It's grief, you know, there's, um, I suppose everyone is still celebrating with cake, even though there's no parties, you know, so... Um, and are you sure there's um, no parties? Yeah. Oh, well, listen, we have the small gatherings, and I would say that there is small gatherings. Um, you know, I had a lady here the other day collecting an 18th birthday cake for her daughter who was having no party whatsoever, and they were just crying at the door because they were so thrilled with the cake because that's all she wanted, you know? So it's it's the little so things. So you're not going to know are, anyway what people are doing with them after, you, I after suppose, they buy them? No, yeah. but like... Communions, everything. You know, I have people coming to the doors as well, collecting communion cakes and not knowing until the night before whether the communion is going ahead or not. There's so much chopping and changing. Um, you know, my my diary here is upside down, really, um, with cancellations and postponements. And then, um, but the wedding industry, I have to say, is just it's really on its knees. You know, I, I it's great. It's good for me because I'm able to adapt my business in a way that, you know, I can keep going with birthdays and other celebrations. But there's DJs out there and there's there's photographers and uh, you know they're just there's I, bands, there's florists, there's you know yeah, the, yeah. the the staff that would be catering for the wedding in a hotel. You know, there's That's limos. Yeah. you know, all sorts of it's such a knock-on effect. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. But like this week now, you know, I have a list in front of me here of all my orders for the week. And I'm now twiddling my thumbs saying, do I start? Do I not start? <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. 
And those orders that you have in now, would they be mm-hmm. for like possibly a wedding or are you just talking about birthdays? Yeah, yeah I have I have weddings this week um, and I have communicate and birthday cake. Okay. So okay. It's, a, it's a big mix. Um, but look, I mean, I heard this morning that there's shops in Douglas and Bishopstown are there's panic buying this morning. On the no, I've been wondering about that. Is that, are you, taken, yeah. is that. Where are you seeing that, Trace? No, I didn't see it. I heard I heard uh, straight from uh, a friend of mine who was actually in the shop this morning. And what did she say to you? Do you mind me asking? Oh, am I allowed to mention the shop? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if she was there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it was in Dunn's in Douglas. And we've also heard Bishoptown is always the same. And panic buying, can't get trolleys, the same with Smith toys. Um, no, I haven't seen it, as I said, but she said it was absolutely chaotic. Um yeah, so flour what flying are, off the shelves. Well, yeah, thank you. My next question: <laughs> What were they buying? Yeah, <laughs> flour. <laughs> um, yeah, it seems to be the same as when we were back in March. You know, the same items again. Um, so here we go again. Yeah, here even we before go again. we have an announcement, we see people are doing it because they're yeah. worried about an announcement. They are worried, and then you've Smith toys, and I suppose people are afraid they can't get what they need for for Christmas as well, and that's around the corner too. So. Yeah. And um, how are you doing? Did, 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 are you still open then? You're just treading I'm still water? Still open, still open. Uh, no, absolutely jammers all of the time. You know, people are, as I said, even if, uh, you know, I'd, even if we went into lockdown, people are still looking for cakes for home just to celebrate. You know, I mean, if you've got your son or daughter at home and they have nothing else of course, you're going to need a cake. You're going to want to, sing, want to sing happy birthday to them. And it's all about the moment and the photograph. And people are still going to do that, you know, because it makes people happy. But my issue then is if there's a lockdown, my suppliers will close and I can't get any of my supplies. I know. So, so you're, in a, you're playing a waiting yeah. game at the moment then. I am. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. Listen, yeah. thanks so much for taking the call, Tracy. Thanks, Cheers no for now. Take long. care. Tracy Thank Cakes. Uh, anybody in and around uh, a supermarket this morning, you might get in touch with me. Uh, text 0868104106. Tracy saying a buddy of hers was talking about, um, you know, Duns in, in Douglas Court where you couldn't get a trolley and there was a lot of panic buying. Text on that or pick up the phone on 1850104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, we're talking about uh, reminiscing on nostalgia on Friday and I uh, got a piece of audio that was sent to me by the great John Coffey. It's a little video clip actually of him saying thank you to all of his customers who down through the years visited him at uh, Unida Books. It's an awful lot more than just a bookshop incidentally. More on that in a few minutes time but I just want to take a break from all this covid stuff for a few minutes time because I want in a moment to talk to his grandson Jason who stepped out of of school uh, just to take my call but John Coffey, the great John Coffey at the age of 88, i uh, I really love popping in just to have a chat with him down through the years from time to time. He's retiring from Unida and there's a big sale on there at the moment. And he sent me this lovely piece of audio. Have a listen. Dear loyal and regular customers of Cork and people from all over the world who at one time or another called to Unida Bookshop. I have met some wonderful people there, both men and both women. I'd like to name a lot of them but it would take too long. Such nice people, such loyal people. Now it's with a very heavy heart that I say these few words. I am retiring because I'm afraid the years are on the clock. I can't continue. And it's with a very heavy heart 
that I closed the Oneida. I have enjoyed every second behind that counter and the conversations and the, uh, the different items that was discussed and at heart I would like to say I was born in Cork I love Cork I love the people they're, they're the best you could find anywhere in the whole world but saying that I have met a lot of people from other countries Every, every bit is good. I'm trying to remember a few things more to say, but to be honest, you can't see me now, but there's a tear in my eyes. All I can say to you, one and all, every one of you, thank you very, very much from the bottom of my heart. John Coffey, signing off. Good store gone, and his uh, grandson Jason just stepped out to chat with me this morning. I don't have much time with it, so I'm going to use it as best I can. Jason, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Fair play to you. An awful lot more than just books, though. Records, tapes, DVDs, videos, paperbacks, hardbacks, everything and anything. It's a sad Absolutely. day. It is a very sad day indeed for for my grandfather John and for our family, and um, indeed for the the long-standing loyal customers. Um, of the shop here in Cork City. Uh, the shop has been, as you know, a Cork institution. Um, grandfather has been on Oliver Plunkett Street for over 50 years. And so, yes, it's, uh, it's sad, it's nostalgic, which at the same time, we are incredibly proud of, of our grandfather, John, of what he's achieved um, as a person, um, as a businessman, and as an all-round Cork gentleman. Yeah, um, he, he, he started in his, 20, in his 20s, wasn't it, on Barrack Street, am I right? That's correct, over 60 years ago. Yeah, and then moved to Oliver Plunkett Street um, and started selling, was it books in particularly first, wasn't it? There was a, like, I know that he, he carried an awful lot of vinyl and stuff, and there's even been a resurgence in vinyl in recent years, and that helped the business, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. There's been a big resurgence in vinyl sales and that has really kind of um, helped to increase sales and book up the business. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, um, Neil, he, um, he, he initially started out selling books and tapes, old tapes yeah. and comics. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he just needs to have a rest, is it? That's, that's the reason. Like he, just, he, he figures this is the best time uh, at the age of 88 to enjoy family. Because love, people love popping in. I mean, I suppose he was plagued with people not buying anything, just going into chat, right? Yes, indeed. People love the chat. Um, but um, at the same time, as I said, he's many, many loyal customers. And it, for, for John... It's it's not all about people spending money as such. He had customers coming in there for thirty, forty, fifty years. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, for some people, just having that chat would make their day. You know, he's such a kind-hearted, welcoming, understanding, diplomatic person. He's just an absolute gem of a man, and treated everybody the same, regardless of who they are or where they came from. He just treated everybody with respect, and just 
He was just a true, true gentleman. Yes, and he always had a great Cork story. I mean, he really was uh, a fountain of knowledge about Cork, particularly the Oliver Plunkett Street, actually. He is the go-to man on the entire street going back hundreds of years. I always enjoyed those chats with him. But what about what about the stock now? Have you a sale on? That's right, Neil. Um, so I'm teaching um, full-time, as you know. I'm in Collage Dame on Reese there, formerly known as Deer Park. Yeah. And um, so on Wednesday afternoons from uh, 1.30pm to 5.30pm, I'll be opening the shop. And I'll be opening the shop every Saturday from 10.30 to about 5pm or 5.30. And... Um, We'll be kind of selling stuff off and I'll be cutting down prices and trying to sell uh, as much of the stock uh, as possible. Mills and Boone were huge sellers down through the years, he told me. Isn't that right? <laughs> Absolutely. As he said himself, um, John, that the Mills and Boones at one time kept the door open, kept yeah. the wolf from the door, yeah. as he said. Isn't they it were amazing? a big seller. Amazing, amazing. How will he spend his time? Well, Neil, his his main intention is to spend as much time as he can uh, with his family, with his daughter Margaret and uh, his grandchildren, myself and my my two sisters, um, and you know, great grandchildren. Um, to spend as much time as he can, you know, and as he said in his video, he's you know the years are on the clock, unfortunately, but it's time it's time to to rest. It certainly is. He certainly needs a rest after 53 years in business. I'm going to come back after 11 o'clock and talk a little bit more about him, but I'll let you get back in. You popped out on your tea break, and I do appreciate it, Jason. Thank you so much. No problem, Lee. Thank you so much, and thank you to Seamus and for giving us the airtime. And um, I know you are a, you're a very um, you're a good fa- a big fan of, of, of Grandad, uh, of John, and uh, he's a great fan of yourself. Yeah, we're great really, buddies. Really, really appreciate it as a family and thank you so so oh, much fantastic and it's lovely that he sent that little audio and I'll tell him I really do appreciate it thanks so much Jason appreciate it take care Neil, thank you very much take care back after 11 text 0868104106 get it off your chest text the Neil Brinderville show now 0868104106 Red FM ok so the Neffet letter gets uh, leaked last night of course and everybody goes into uh, panic mode or at least some do can't come on the air but the queues at Smith's Toys and the Kinsale Road Roundabout are manic this morning. There are two queues going from the front of the building right around the back. One queue is for click and collect and the other for walk-ins. It appears that everybody went online last night to purchase toys when Neffet made the recommendations. I'm also hearing reports, Neil, of massive queues at Dunn stores in Douglas and people panic buying. Another one here, there are queues at Smith's Toys and the Kinsale Road Roundabout and when uh, also the issues involving Dunn's was touched on by Tracy earlier on this morning, but John may be able to shed some more light on it. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Uh, thank you so much for taking the call. Are you there? Were you there? Well, I just left there. I left there about five minutes ago because I have to collect one of the kids from school. Okay. What you see? Um, just very unusually busy for a Monday. There were about four or five deep at each till, you know. Um, it doesn't look like it's panicked. But it looks a lot busier than a normal Monday. For know? first thing Monday morning. Um, are there queue? I was there yesterday actually, and you have to queue to go into Dunn's. You have to queue in the centre. Is that's that's the way? Obviously. Well, there was no queuing there. No, Neil. When I was there a few minutes back there, there was no queuing. There was a manager standing outside, but there's no queue to go in. Now, when we go in through the textile part of the shop, and you look down, you can see queues at every till. You know where they stand a metre back, 
and you're called to the till, you can see three or four people, maybe five at some till. Ah, well, yesterday afternoon, round about three o'clock, there was a long queue just to try and get in, so it sounds to me as if it was busier yesterday than it is this morning. Yeah, I thought... I thought the same because I shopped there yesterday as well there about half past three and I just thought it was extremely busy as well and there was a lot of empty shelves and I was thinking jeez this seems a lot busier now so I don't know is it panic or is it just is it just busy because you know it's October and you know children's allowances tomorrow and people are shopping and that's what I'd wonder about Smith's as well because people tend to do their 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 Christmas shop you know with Santa early like you know well, I can't get out there to see it myself, but that's why it's important that other people do, um, you know, call in and let me know. For instance, Kieran says, I just left Douglas Court 20 minutes ago. No queues, no panic, and plenty of trolleys. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, yeah. You don't know, you know, unless it's see. mongering, I'd say maybe. Well, maybe I could well be the case that people just overreact or. I don't know, sometimes maybe people make texts up as well. But anyway, busier than normal on a Monday, but no real pressure, you're saying. No, no, definitely not. But I just wish Neil, that the government would come out and just say something like, kind of reassure people. Because my own mom is AC, like, and I was on the phone to her last night, and we have a confirmation on Saturday, now, which probably won't go ahead. But she was like, we had a, we had a meal booked in the Boston for um, my five and my family and my mother six, and um, she was saying to me last night, oh, I don't know whether I go to the meal now or not because I was hearing that people in restaurants are cross-contaminating and all of this and I just sensed a fierce worry about her you know in her own chat to me like and I, I, she's easy like and you, you well, she's just hearing of people age. she's just hearing of people in restaurant settings who are infecting tables yeah. next to them you see yeah you see and now she's opting not to not to go on Saturday well, even though I don't think it would go ahead if if we're going to be put into another phase of the lockdown you know but um, I just fear for the elderly that's all you know um, and it, it's just it's hard for these people that have cocooned for weeks upon weeks and given a lot for the country and then all of a sudden to be thrown in the deep end again like you know it's, it's, it's hard like yeah okay okay and I think for the elderly regardless of whether it's two three four or five they will be encouraged to restrict their movements anyway they will, and if, if, if you have an elderly yeah. relative that goes, normally goes shopping on a Monday morning, and now they're arriving out there, you know, panic may set in with them as well, and they may not guess what their essential needs are, and that's, that's wrong as well then, Neil, you know? I know, I know, I know. All right, listen, thank you for taking the time out to report in on, uh, on uh, Douglas Court. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Cheers. Claire, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. Okay, um... I get back to text on this, but I'm conscious of people queuing to get on the air. So, what 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 point did you want to make? Um, you you're clearly not in favour of any kind of a lockdown. No, I don't think that there's a need for lockdown. I think that people are trying to do their best. It's just a certain few that are making the cases higher. But even if I actually heard someone saying earlier that it's people who aren't wearing masks that are getting getting COVID, but it's not true because I know people who are very careful and have got it. So. I just think that we just need to live with it now. I don't think just going up a level or doing anything like that, lockdowns are going to do anything. It didn't work the last time. Mm. When we all get back out, everyone's just going to go. And the people that you know that tested positive, do you know how they got it? Um, No, it was just um, um, one person was from a family member, but how the family member got it. I I think it's just literally community transmission now at this stage. Like, Like, I know of one person that never went outside the door without a mask, you know, everything that was asked of them, they did right. Yeah. And 
you know, you can still get it. It's just, it's just at the end of the day, it's just a virus. It's just a flu. Anyone can pick it up. So I don't see a point in closing down schools or anything like that. I think that people's mental health are going to suffer a lot more than people will with COVID, to be honest. There is a growing number of people who agree with that, you know, particularly with regards to the economy, socially and economically. Yeah, people are losing their jobs or they're out of work for too long now that even when they do go back to work, they're going to find it very hard to get back into things. And it's not just even the elderly and the vulnerable people, it's younger people who live alone because they are really can be left alone if we go into another lockdown and you're not allowed to go to other homes. So I don't think that it's going to be a good thing at all. So what would you... That it's so, actually, so what? The numbers are... Huh? I think it's just a threat. I think that they're throwing this out there and then they'll just move up a level. But everyone is scared then, so everyone would be more careful that we don't go to fight. I think it's just a scare tactic. Yeah. I don't think the government will go for it. It's either a scare tactic or they'll ask for five and settle with three or something. Yes, exactly. That's what I think will happen. And I hope that that's what will happen because I don't want people to be, as you said, some people might be panic buying now. There's no need for it. No need for it. Okay. Thanks for that. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. When I was away, instead, I just want to jump into this story and I'll come back to everything else because this uh, is a breaking news update on this story, if you like. Uh, it had to do, I was away at the time, Mick Mulcahy was in the air reporting on this. Paul Byrne was reporting on it for Virgin Media uh, News. It was a, a hair salon in Blackpool that had a fire Emergency services were alerted to it and off they went and uh, they were there till the wee small hours of the morning. Um, uh, I think this became part of a guard investigation after the fire at Three Degrees Hair Design in Blackpool. And Paul Byrne um, joins me by phone because I think he's just been updating uh, online with regards to this story. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So you're talking to somebody who wasn't around for it. So what's the chapter and verse on it? Yeah, as you said, uh, Three Degrees Hair uh, Design uh, was torched in the early hours of the morning, about 20 to 3 on the 18th of September. Mm. Now, what happened was that there was two guys smashed uh, one of the front windows and they gained entry to the salon and they could be seen on CCTV uh, pouring petrol onto the floor and then setting it alight. Now, the hair salon is owned by three sisters who've honestly broken their backs and uh, made every effort to get uh, what has become a very, very successful business uh, off the ground. They've been there uh, in excess of uh, 10 years. They employ 13 people and the the, the, the sisters, uh, the staff, the people in the general area were devastated when they heard that uh, the um, salon had been torched uh, deliberately. I mean, it was bad enough it had been an accident, as they said, but when they found out that two men actually smashed their way in and put a, a match to the place, it, it just left them devastated. Now, Gardaí from the initial stages were following a definite line of inquiry and uh, earlier this morning they made a move, they picked up a man, he's in his 20s and he was taken to Mayfield Garda station. This is the uh, first breakthrough in, in, in that particular case. But while that investigation was under uh, going on, that was on the 18th of September. That fire on the 29th of September, uh, a, an outlet nearby called the House of the Handsome Barber. That was also extensively damaged in a fire again in the early hours of the morning. Now, my understanding from sources is that the three degrees hair salon or t- design may have been targeted uh, um, that they were looking for one premises and they now believe that whoever broke in and torched the three degrees got the wrong premises. All right, they torched the wrong shop. 
That's right. That's uh, part of the investigation, no, because on the 29th of September, the house of the handsome barber was also uh, set on fire. Uh, the damage there wasn't as bad as uh, the three degrees because that was honestly just burned to the ground. I mean, it's just a, a shell of its former self. Um, but they're not linking, uh, my understanding, at, at, at the early days, they weren't linking both fires. Yeah. But they do believe part of the investigation is that the three degrees hair design was um, targeted that whoever may have been paid they may have been paid to go in and torch the premises but that, that they got the wrong place okay and do do we do we know if if the three degrees and the house of the handsome barber that they're back up in business again or have they been still closed for um, renovations it, it, or? I, I don't know about the handsome barber but the three degrees they're going to be out of action for oh, at for least 12 months it's so so sad I know that there was a GoFundMe campaign uh, set up um, you know to, to help get them back on the ground um, a couple of years ago uh, coincidentally we did a piece out there on Women's Little Christmas and the place was buzzing it was a fantastic hair salon and when we a lot of staff there isn't there 13 staff 13, a lot of 13 staff 13 people out of a job no today you know what I mean and do, do, can you talk to motive or are you not able to go there no my understanding is that again you know it, it, um, it that whoever torched it could have got the wrong premises that they may have been given a few bob to say look go to premises X and that they got Y and that is part of the investigation now um, sources have uh, told me that but um, there has the breakthrough I suppose as I said they were following a definite line of inquiry from an early stage but the breakthrough came this morning when they lifted a, a guy in his 20s and took, okay. him, uh, took him to Mayfield Garden Station It answers the question but, um, that the three degrees have probably been asking themselves why? You know? They were like these young ladies, the three sisters, uh, salted the earth. Um, you know, they said, "Who could who do would something want to, do to this? us?" They no, just couldn't fathom it. Um, and when we were out there filming after the fire, people passing by, locals, it's just across from Blackpool Shopping Centre. Everybody was just devastated. Like people go in there to have not alone just have their hair cut or hair done or whatever like that. They go in there for a chat. It's like meeting friends and, you know, yeah. catching up with people at the end of the week or the start of the month, whatever the case may be. Great family atmosphere in there. And people were just shell-shocked with what uh, had happened. As I said, people were saying it was bad enough that there was a fire, but the fact that it was torched. And I saw uh, footage, I mean, you could see these guys smashing their way in, pouring the the canister of petrol, petrol out from the canister, and then setting it alight. It just went up in the space of minutes. Okay, be interesting to, to keep an eye on that one when it gets to court. Thanks for the update, Paul. Appreciate it as Cheers. always. Paul Byrne with Virgin Media News. Uh, so now they know their salon was torched by mistake, and then a second one was torched a week or ten days later. Actually, um, 11 days later, the home of the handsome barber. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to uh, some other business we've been dealing with this morning. Of course, that has to do with whatever announcement is going to be made regarding the levels that we may find ourselves in. I don't know. Would it be immediate? Um, even if it is three, would it happen straight away? I don't know. But uh, Vincent's out in Douglas Court. Douglas Court um, Shopping Centre, I imagine. Vincent, good morning. Good morning. In fact, you've just left, have you? I, I was there five minutes ago. I don't know what that man was talking about that was on before me there. Not, not more than no, the man before that. Yeah. He, he said John was there and he said um, it's a bit busier than normal, but he wouldn't say it's panic buying, he said. Ah, uh, man didn't. I don't know where he was looking. There's a, there's a queue there for half a mile. Half a mile? Where? Out half the door? A mile. In John's stores. Describe it to me. I mean, where does the queue go? It's going way back beyond the... Uh, 
from, from those doors away back along uh, around the corner by the uh, reception. Right. Does it go out of the centre at all? Uh, I didn't go that side. No, I came the other side actually. But it, it was it was way back. I mean, there was there was a hundred people the other morning. And it shouldn't be that way on a Monday morning. For God's sake, man! I never thought that way. I mean, I'm there every Monday morning myself. You know, people have gone mad again. You know. Okay. And do you know what they're do you know what they're buying? Have you had a chance to go in and see? No, I didn't go bother going in, but I met a friend of mine when I was before I went in the door, and he to, he told me about the queue, and he said to me the last time th- this was shut down, he spoke to a woman who went to her house and she showed him one thousand toilet rolls, and we a never ran toilet yeah, rolls. Yeah. Yeah. And for the record, we never ran out of toilet rolls. We never ran out of flour. We never ran out of milk. We never ran out of sugar. If you did, you could use the echo. (laughs) Right, okay. Anyway, you're saying that the queue is very long and they're queuing and queuing and queuing. Um, Yeah. And... Before, before, in case you cut me off quickly, I was supposed to be talking to you last Friday about the budget. I was speaking to a senior minister two weeks ago and I told him, if there's any more... Uh, first of all, we're not supposed to be getting the fiber for the old age pensioners. They're putting on carbon tax, property tax. The council put on property tax on the last yeah, week again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't they why don't, uh, cut, cut the councillors' wages? What are they getting money for? The same as the senators. They're doing nothing. Why don't they cut their money? Besides um, cutting the poor, age pen- poor old age pensioners. I know, because they hide behind the excuse that they're public servants and that all public servants automatically get a wage increase every year. Well, so that's why I told him. I said, if you do that, now you carbon tax and property tax. The old age pensioners will have to get out on the road. They did it before. All right, I am going to let you go now, Vincent, but thank you for the report from Douglas Court this morning. He says the queue is half a mile long. Morning, I'm in Aldi and Lidl in Wilton. All calm here. Hubby is working in Duns and Bishopstown. He says it's busy, but not manic, not hysteria. Morning, Tesco, Balancholic, very calm. Just left it in a minute ago, Neil. You're all very good. Thank you for your text. Hi, Neil. Duns and Bishopstown was very quiet. I just came there. I just came from there now. Morning, I was down in Duns and Blackpool this morning to pick up a tub of baby formula and it was like Armageddon. I didn't realise that a level five meant the toilet roll and bread production would stop. I'm fed up of this nonsense now. I'm surprised there weren't people fighting over trolleys in Blackpool. Is it any wonder that the off-licences are booming? What I saw this morning only, only wants to make me crack open a cold one tonight. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, there's a lot of text there from a lot of people who are very annoyed, very angry, very worried and upset and I see even some coming in from nurses. I'm keen to talk to some uh, uh, teachers as well who might like to share their own experiences even anonymously. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Jerry's standing by. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. We won't be able to cope, is it? No, exactly. No, I, I think that people are getting into a state of desperation and panic now at this stage. And yeah, well, mentally, can you, you know, to some, I mean, can you, some, to, can you blame them too, if, if, a, if a letter is leaked the night before a major meeting and nobody makes any statement um, on Sunday night, you know, to give some kind of, because people were going to bed worried. Yeah, I mean, that was unfair. That was unfair. And I, I, I think, see, 
what's there in a state now where a person's wealth to a degree is his health and people are losing their businesses or being on the edge of losing them and that's putting them under fierce mental stress as well as physical stress and the idea that they're going to have another lockdown now would it, it, it would drive them over the edge really in a lot of cases and there's a lot of other illnesses out there like cancer that need to be routinely checked and they're not being checked because COVID it seems to be, is, is actually overriding everything at the moment I think the only thing we can do now is have a, do a calculated risk that people have to wear a mask, do social distancing, because the country me- me- mentally, emotionally, business-wise won't be able to take another lockdown. People are, and people do feel too that the top brass with their parties and their golf gates and, and their own special group funerals, they're, they're flaunting the rules a bit themselves where they're expecting the public then to, to adhere strictly stringently to the rules that they're stating on top of them. Yeah. And yeah. I think people are getting to the stage now between panic and desperation. They're losing respect for the government and they're, they're just desperate for their own wealth to keep them healthy because they're losing their jobs. And they're, they're, there's a fear of they're going to run out of basic, basic uh, amenities like that's the queue up outside. Yeah, but why do they fear? We didn't the last time and there was a real lockdown. No, but, yeah, but the, the idea the last time, about seven months ago, and it started was this will be a couple of months and we'll be out the door. It won't be so bad anymore. But now the feeling is, listen, we're going back to square one as in March. And I've been, I've known this fellow's business who's gone and I've known another fellow who's all stressed out. And I said, I can't take another round of this. And that's why this time round it will not be so easy to lock to shut the people down. Really, I mean, and and, and I think we should take calculated risks in that we Which, stay in stage oh. two. Keep the keep the masks on. Keep the masks on. Keep the social distancing. Protect the elderly because they're the people most vulnerable from COVID. I mean, there's a lot of people. I would say very many people who've got COVID haven't been tested but have come out the other side. So if you're young or middle aged. And they've done it, but the people who are dying are getting extremely sick. Are the are sick? Are the people from seventy years of age and upwards? And that's where the primary protection should be there, you know. And I think we have to take a calculated risk because the economy can't take it, and people can't take it anymore. I mean, they're just uh, they're at they're at the end of their tether, really. It's an interesting one here from a nurse. Uh, the nurse says there are two hundred. Those two hundred ICU beds are far from empty. They are filled with accident victims, post-surgery patients and many, many more of our loved ones who need advanced medical support. And there's plenty more waiting at home and in hospital for urgent surgeries that are reliant on a bed becoming available in ICU. As a healthcare professional, I can tell you that even without COVID, it's a constant juggling job to keep them empty and to find available ICU beds. Mind you, the nurse describes them as IT. TU beds, so I'm hoping they're the same thing. I imagine that they are. So the fact that there's only that there's only 36 in ICU beds at the moment doesn't mean that the rest of them are empty. You see, that's very important. No, you know, yeah. yeah. So what would happen yeah, I mean, if the if the numbers continue to increase and you have hundred a couple of hundred people? In ICU beds, I, I, so we're I shagged then. This, yeah, you would have to get the state where people have to be treated at home. You know, I mean, you just—I mean, that was done donkeys hundreds going back over hundred years ago. People in that hospital had to be treated at home. They had to be isolated at home. They had to get the proper treatments because they, the, the hospitals could get overrun with 
outside of it with COVID and normal illnesses uh, uh, and as well as waiting list people coming in for tests for cancer. And, I know. So, But uh, are you, are you, you saying, know, just yeah. to sum up, that we need to flip the priority here now from uh, COVID illness to um, people's mental health and the economy? It's a balance act, yeah, because if the economy goes burst, people's health goes burst with it. If your wealth goes, your health goes. And you have, it's a very tight balancing act. And I think we just have to be very responsible in wearing masks, social distancing, but not to shut down the country again. If the country is shut down again, it's really, go- I, I'm pretty certain it's going to cause a massive disaster, really. And what would that disaster be? Job losses? Oh, increase in suicides and oh. cancer not detected and, and, and businesses going burst, depression going away up. Um, less, a, a total despondency overrunning the country. Uh, total demoralisation, really. So, it somebody was suggesting and, and, earlier on this morning, just um, just ban all house visits, that nobody is allowed into your homes. Do yeah, as much I mean, work yeah, as you, you can be, from yeah. home. Shut all of the, you know, okay. You know, uh, do, a bit, do a bit better than what we're doing already in, in wearing the mask. But leave the businesses open um, and, oh, and yeah. get... But we, are you saying the yeah. elderly should go back into a state of cocooning? No. No, I, well, just minded by the by the by the middle aged and the younger, really, and maybe into in, 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 into uh, not total cocooning as they were, but they need to be minded more than the others because they're much more susceptible. Well, let's see what it, well, let's see what kind of a, 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 as I say, the middle aged people like myself you now are, are younger. They tend to um, we even get it, and we get through it, and we survive, you know. But if you're into your seventies and that. It's it's a totally different proposition then, like. Come here, what did you make you of know? Trump? I don't know, did you follow that last night? I think it, he's a man who, who was, that was quite a responsible thing in, in taking his doctor and they, they protected themselves as best they could and he has to try, he's a man who's trying to win an election and he's not going to give up. Yeah, but he came out of the hospital, got into a sealed SUV with two um, mm-hmm. Secret Service agents with him. Going around waving at people. I mean, that's bizarre. Well, he wanted to tell their supporters. Well, he wanted to tell the supporters that he's not on his last leg. You know, I mean, people would like uh, his opposition would like to say, "Listen, that's he's stuck in hospital. No, he can't move." Well, he's probably saying, "Listen, lads, I'm going to show. I'm plenty of life in me, yes, you know." <laughs> okay. And he right. thinks, uh, you know, sure. I think he, he the, the man's got guts. Give him that. <laughs> you know, he's not. He, he's not going to go down. He's not going to go down. Saying, "I'm lame up. Poor me. I'm finished." He's not going. He's not going. He's not going to do that anyway. Okay, I like you your know? taking it. I like your taking it. Thanks, Jerry. You know, as I, always, I, cheers. Okay, thank you, Ian. Thank okay. you. I feel it's scare tactics as well, says John. Uh, they will never go to level five, but just to scaring everybody to cop on. Uh, it's the right decision if they do cases are rising it will lead to hospitals being overrun and lots more deaths if we don't act now our health system is struggling as it is without covid if things keep going we'll be in lockdown probably in november and december anyway uh, get it over get it over with now imagine a lockdown during christmas both socially and economically wise stay safe everyone shane says if it goes to level five i just want to say thank you to all the langers who couldn't follow a simple few guidelines thanks for thinking you're invincible and being so woke to the new world order that's being prepared for us sheep. It would be more in your line to get a vaccine for stupidity. Uh, Jar says, this could last till spring. There's no way our economy can sustain a lockdown for that long. It would be economic Armageddon. We will all pay the price for the government's ineffectual leadership. Liam wonders, uh, why are we still listening to Neffet? It's not exactly as if any of the recommendations have worked to date. They're all making it up as they go along. Uh, Well, in the early days of this, I remember... They were talking about deaths in Ireland being somewhere between 35,000 and 70,000. Um, I read both. Uh, 
Um, and if it hadn't been for some kind of restrictions and lockdown and flattening that curve, maybe it would have gone. I don't know. Maybe it would have gone. Uh, maybe not. Maybe the deaths would have been only in a few hundred if they'd managed to get a handle on uh, nursing homes and not did what they did to them. Ollie says people have need to people need to have demonstrations all over the country today. The Irish government are wrong with what they're doing. It's been said around the world that the COVID tests are false positive results. I bet the hospitals are not even full of COVID dying patients. And Khan says we have nobody to blame for level five but ourselves. People are out protesting. There are lots of parties and people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, They are breaking the rules. Then people are whining when something like the recommendation of Level 5 happens. Businesses will go bust from another lockdown. That is inevitable. And Mossy says it's very easy for these overpaid so-called medical experts who are making these recommendations. It won't affect them. What about our economy? What about our people's livelihoods? Not to mention people's mental health. The Neffet Group are not living in the real world at all. So that's just a selection of texts. I'll get more on the air hopefully between now and quitting time. Jenny, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Good, you're a wedding singer, but you're not doing much singing I'd say, are you? No, um, well we have done a few weddings. Uh, we've seen a lot of brides go back to their original date um, and just say, let's just have a small wedding and stuff. Um, we've seen them move to smaller churches yeah. so that the church doesn't look as empty. Yeah. Um, but I'm due to have a wedding on Friday um, and now I just feel really sorry for the poor bride. She must just be in limbo, you know. Because if it goes to level five, that wedding would have 10 people in it, isn't it? Yeah, and I would assume the wedding singer would not be at Sorry, sorry. <laughs> six, six people. Yeah, so... Uh, I but, know right now it's fif- but right now it's 50, family. isn't it? Uh, I think right now it's 50. Um, I haven't, for the like, weddings we've been doing in the past couple of months, I haven't seen one wedding with 50 people at it. What have you seen? How many? Oh, 20, 30 max, I would say. Why aren't they availing of the 50? I think they're edging on the side of caution just in case the numbers are decreased for weddings and, you know, just in case something like this does happen. I know. So describe to me now what a typical wedding looks like at the moment. Um, Well, it's all family. I would say first three or four rows of the church, let's say, would be occupied. Um, But there's a space uh, they sit on every second row. Um, we tend to go up onto the altar to sing, or not onto the altar, onto the balcony mm-hmm. um, to kind of keep out of the way. And we just we sanitize our hands, bring our gear in, but keep our masks on until we start singing. Um, but we're kind of out of the way, so it's not too bad. Uh, but yeah, I just feel really sorry for the brides that are with upcoming weddings at the moment, just because it's really difficult for them to organize anything. So anybody that has a wedding of any shape or form planned for the weekend now is up to 90 with whatever announcement is going to be made today. Yeah, exactly. You know, Um, I know we have other upcoming weddings for the next couple of weeks. You know, we'd like to know what's going on with that. Um, Yeah, it's just we're in limbo. You know, I've taken the day off work on Friday to go and do this wedding. And... uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens later today. And tell me about what you do. I mean, have you musicians? Do you do, you do the church or do you go in the in the good old days? Did you also go to the to the hotel to sing or anything like that? <laughs> no, uh, we're just just typically church music. So we just do the ceremonies. Um, so, yeah, we would just go in. We have a keyboard that we bring with us, um, which is sanitized. Usually there's only two of us. 
um, at the moment now we're kind of doing we're kind of splitting up and only one of us is going to do a wedding yeah yeah um, but uh, yeah I mean as if we were kind of just going ahead as normal but and what's know. popular then I know I'm being very nosy but what what music is popular <laughs> Uh, we kind of give the bride's first choice so we give her our list of songs that we would have done for loads of weddings we keep a book she gets the list of songs and she kind of gets to pick and choose from there and what, do the, what and does the wants. bride go for? is there any particular ones? Um, a Thousand Years by Christina Perry is a very popular one um, there's one from Michael Bublé called Everything that's a really popular exit song um, Can't Help Falling in Love With You that's always a good the popular one and is uh, that for yeah, the? Is that as they're walking out of the church? Is it? Uh, yeah, walking out, walking in. They could ask for anything. <laughs> you have to adapt. Yeah, we adapt to it, but we love it. We love learning new songs and stuff like that. And so just, it's, it's a hobby. Is know? it always the hobby. bride makes the call on the music? Is it? Always, yeah. <laughs> 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 you see a few grooms crying at the music and stuff, but they would never have picked it. <laughs> cringing, did you say, or crying? <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> crying and cringing. I've seen it both. <laughs> uh, is there a particular one that you love doing? Um... Yeah, I suppose there's a few. Oh, Yours by Ella Henderson would be one of my favourite ones to do. Yeah. All right. Well, what are you are you going to have to wait and see what I mean? You're practicing this week for anyone in particular? For Friday. I mean, I suppose what we have to do. I suppose at the moment is just keep practicing as if we're going ahead at the moment. And <laughs> That's all you can do. See, see how we get on. All right. Thanks, um, Jenny. But Please I mean, they have to let us know in the next day or two. You'll have a better idea um, by I don't know five <laughs> six o'clock today. Fingers crossed anyway, Neil. Thanks for taking the call. Jenny, the wedding singer, appreciate that. Lines open at one 104 106 Talking about, you know, uh, music or happy times. Big response on Friday to the games the kids play. And I'll be finishing up with a whole load of texts from you guys on that just before midday today as people reminisced uh, with regards to Friday's program. Uh, whether it was go-karts or... Uh, the old games. Or, it all started actually from Chessies and Conkers. Some more of that just before quitting time this morning. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, so you are described as stressed. Very stressed at the moment, yeah. Why? Why? Very. Why? Your mum, is it? Um, well, my mum. My mum is uh, very high risk. She's got COPD as well as diabetes. She's on oxygen 24-7. She's on a CPAP mask at night time now as a result of her last hospital uh, visit, which was, she came out last Monday. She was in for three and a half weeks. Um, I spent the 12 weeks of lockdown from March uh, with her, looking after her, keeping her safe. Um, I don't live in the city. My mum lives in the city. Um, before the co- before the COVID hit, we had tra- we had put in for a transfer for her to come uh, to Mallow because... Um, all my two brothers and myself both live in Mallow. You're so all her support system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. all her support system and, and her grown up. There's some grandchildren that are grown up as well. So like her support systems are in Mallow, like you know. And we um, the first application we got refused. We sent in um, an appeal. The appeal got lost actually. And I rang in, in May to see what was the story with the appeal. They told me they didn't get it. I said right. I said look, there's no need to get annoyed with the person I was on the phone to. Look, these things happen. I sent in. I sent in the appeal again um, to be refused again and I sent in a third appeal to be refused again last this day two weeks I know, I know. 
Um, um, like this is to keep a, a 72 year old woman out of a nursing home situation which is what I feel is going to happen in the next 12 months um, we had we had originally thought of putting ma'am she kind of suggested look I'll go into a nursing home luckily we didn't because it's a grave we'd be, we'd be visiting now because even if I have a cold or my granddaughter has a cold we don't go near my mother because my mother would get pneumonia you know what I mean it's that severe you know it doesn't even have to be COVID yeah no yeah, yeah, no yeah. no oh god no it doesn't have to be COVID at all like COVID would be you know and you, did you move in with her for the 12 week yeah. period then yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and I, you, I moved up I've moved up uh, she was offered she was told she was getting extra home care package um, coming out of hospital last Monday that didn't happen so I've moved up last Monday um, and I'm there I'm actually gone home for a few things today um, you know um, I don't know what the you know how long I'll be um, and are you contemplating what, having to move back in again well, if we go into lockdown, she said to me last night, uh, tearful, nearly crying, um, will you promise me if we go in lockdown, you, you'll stay with me? Like, what do you do? I know, I know. But I, 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 we, there's four siblings. Um, my sister lives up the country. She's two small kids. And my two brothers uh, work in the front line. My two children are growing up. I've one in Australia. Um, and talking to him, like he's in Western Australia, if you were to fly into Perth today, you will be escorted from the plane to a hotel and segregated or isolated for two weeks and you will be billed for the whole lot of it. You know what I mean? We're very laxadaisical in this country. I just... It's just, you know, I, I, don't, I see people around and they're hugging. I see people around. Um, I was walking uh, down Shandon Street the other day and I passed this particular shop where they do hair extensions and there must have been 15 people in there, not one person wearing a mask. Not one person, and I, my heart goes out then to say, Christ, will you leave in my shoes for for twelve weeks? That's you? where your that's where your community transmission will come from. Yeah. You see. And how yeah. does that make you feel? Yeah. The people who messed it up for everybody who did play ball. I feel I feel angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel disappointed. Um, I'm involved in a youth group, a youth type of group with girls. I can't bring those meetings back. Um, you know, um, I I spent twelve weeks without seeing my granddaughter, who. Funnily enough, got sick with me on FaceTime because I wasn't because I wasn't I going know. to the gate to say hello. You know I what know. I mean? She doesn't understand. She's two and a half. I was mine for three days a week prior to that. You know, know what I mean? I know. Um, she just doesn't understand. Um, you know, little things like hugging people. Um, you know, I haven't hugged my mother since, even though we've been. You know what I mean? Even if I was leaving this morning, I didn't. I won't hug my mother just in case. Um, I was wearing a mask and gloves way before the first lockdown on public transport. I was wearing gloves and masks all the time going out. Um, the way I wouldn't bring anything back into her. Okay. You know, well, you've she, done all the right has, things, I know, and that's yeah. why you feel so annoyed. Listen, yeah. um, let's see what happens later on today and let's see whether or not you'll be packing a suitcase. But uh, thanks for taking yeah. the call. The only, thing, the only thing I will say, I am delighted Dr. Houlihan is back because as far as I'm concerned, whatever he said, went, I did everything he said, I full trust in the man. I think it's a case of, oh my God, um, that the other gentleman was slightly bullied by the politicians because it's a new government in, we want to make an impression, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I just feel they're fighting with each other since they went in. I'm not political and I've never been political. Okay. But I just think Mr. Houlihan will actually, what he says goes and that's that's my, my verdict. Okay, on thank you for that. Um, I want to get some texts on because they may well be irrelevant tomorrow depending on what's announced today but I do want to get them on the air and I'll pick up on all of the calls in the morning. So here's the selection. Smiths was mad yesterday and he didn't feel safe there as there was no physical 
physical distancing. Loads of communion and confirmation kids were in there with money to spend running around like as it was Christmas morning. Children's Allowance is out today and tomorrow. Maybe that's why there are so many queues. Morning, I was just out in Dunn's and Aldi and Balancholic. There was no panic buying and no queuing. I think there's a bit of scaremongering going on. Calm down, lads, says Audrey. Morning, a lot of the decisions are being made by people who won't lose their jobs if the country goes into lockdown. Uh, one day last week, 100 flights went out of Dublin Airport and only four of them were to countries on the green list. Unbelievable. Stop the flights. Now, why are you ignoring the facts regarding COVID, Neil, and the long-term effects it leaves on patients? that have been discharged from hospital. Deaths are low now, but for how long? No, I'm not ignoring any of the facts. I can only cover any so many things on a different morning. You are right. There are terrible long-term, medium and long-term um, after effects of COVID-19 to people with regards to their lungs and chronic, chronic fatigue and breathing problems. I know that. Uh, they also tend to feel, many people who are badly hit with COVID, to feel very depressed and very psychologically low. Um, so I'm not ignoring it. I just can't cover everything. Uh, a government of the blame and not the people for not implementing proper protocol at the airports. They're causing the problems. At the start of this pandemic, every man, woman and child stood shoulder to shoulder to get this virus under control. But behind the scenes, they were plotting and planning to introduce pay rises and pass laws. They have no interest in health, only the economy. How can you say that? That I mean, that's completely the opposite, actually. They don't seem to have much interest in the economy and only in COVID, I would have thought. Um, the only way to stop COVID is the government stop people coming in or leaving Ireland. They must take control over hotels, start testing everyone, remove the infected people from society to hotels for quarantining. I'm not so sure that you have your finger on the pulse of the numbers there with regards to uh, cases coming in from overseas. It's not about that at the moment. Uh, don't let them into the country, any of them, uh, and have the army on the streets to enforce what's going on. Page down. There, I did that one. That's the nurse who was telling us about the fact that the ICU beds are far from empty. So that one's done as well. I'll come back after the break with more text and other couple of calls after these. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Yes, indeed. Words like scaremongering being used against me and bias. I've always been accused of bias, but I get accused by bias by both sides. So I've long stopped worrying about that. But uh, I don't think you can ignore the possibility of some kind of an announcement being made today, so I don't see how that's scaremongering. Uh, close the off-licenses and leave everything else open. House parties will end as a result and the numbers will go down. Simple as, says Alan. Who's running the country? Can't they see what these extreme changes are doing to people? Nefid are an unelected body. They should have no say on how we run our country. Uh, well, you know, you would think that you would want some medics involved in, you know, plotting our course through COVID-19. Surely be to God. Anyway, let's see what happens later on today. Um, and I will endeavor to get more texts and uh, emails on the air tomorrow. But I think that maybe if there isn't a, a level five an announcement tomorrow, then unfortunately I probably won't get to read out all of the texts about people who are angry about it, if you follow me. But Friday was incredible because the amount of texts on people nostalgically remembering remembering the games they played was a lot of fun. Uh, and I want to give you a selection of those and leave you on a happy note. Chopper bikes are putting a plastic milk bottle in the spokes to cycle it. Yeah, or a playing card would do as well. A playing card with a, 
uh, with a pe- you know some kind of um, a clothes peg. It made the noise like an engine. Well, I'm not sure that it was an engine, but it made a noise as you cycled it. Uh, and I also remember the quarter irons on the heels of our shoes. Every time you took a step, sparks would fly, and you think you were John Wayne. Hi, this is Frankie. My son plays chessies every night. I found a lot of conkers while walking in Ballafiehan Park the other evening. It's safe to say he beats his dad in conkers. Uh, you have it all wrong with the conkers, lads. We, uh, lad, we used to have a hot nail to put it through the conker. Then we put a shoelace through it. We tied it tight and not on either side of the conker and put it in the freezer overnight with the lace attached. It was an unbeatable conker. I suppose you have it to this day. Oh, I was so happy listening to the guy talking on air about the good old days. I'm wondering, could the Minister for Children maybe get off his butt and start an initiative to inform kids of how fun life can be with games like these? Morning, we made go-karts from old pram wheels. We also made bows and arrows from tree branches. We wrapped cap gun strips round coins to make bangers. We made fun with, we made lots of fun with steering as. Steering as, there's a cock word. We got ball bearings from the local mechanic to make our own cart and off we went down the hills <laughs> with no brakes. <laughs> I reckon the name Conjun Box is a twisted pigeon engine ver- English version of coinage box. And somebody was also asking about a Hansel this morning. A Hansel would be good luck, wouldn't it? I would have thought. Uh, please, lots more of this kind of content on your show. There's too much doom and gloom as late. This is like a breath of fresh air hearing people's stories like these, says Sean. Morning, my five-year-old um, are still asking about playing bobbing apples since last Halloween and the game uh, Cherry on the Flower where you dip your head in. Uh, another one here. There was also a game called Follow the Arrow. One of the gang would take off around the roads of Balafihan on the Powderduff Road to Barrick Street, drawing an arrow with chalk on the footpaths. Uh, and then 10 minutes later, the gang would chase him to catch him before he got back. It could last hours. Follow the Arrow. That sounds like a fun game, and you'd burn off the calories in that one. Thank you for the most entertaining few hours on Friday. I'm still laughing at the stories. An excellent show. Does anybody remember sitting at the side of the road with pen and paper? You'd be taken. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be taking down the numbers of cars and vehicles passing. Really, We also took down the colours of them. <laughs> and what did you do with all your research? Um, oh, the memories. Uh, release, uh, release was another game. In the summer, we used to be going around with our jam bread sandwiches and going to Blackstone Bridge to collect the black ass and catching tadpoles in the water. Morning, correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I remember, conkers were chessies, but not all chessies were conkers. Only the conquering your enemies uh, could give it the title of a conquer. Otherwise, it was just a humble chessie. The more rivals vanquished, the greater the conquer, as in conquer five, conquer ten, conquer fifty, and so on, says Richie and Toker. Uh, morning. The reason you're not seeing it these days is that conquers are banned in schools. There's pages of these. My granddaughter is eight, and she brought me in a chessie last week and told me to mind it for her for Saturday so we can have a game. I showed her how to play it about two years ago, and she loves it. It's more fun than a PS4. It's more fun than an Xbox. I must go out and get some more today. That's just a selection from Friday's program. I hope to have more on the air uh, tomorrow morning when we'll pick it all up. Lots of different stories to share. Let's see what the rest of the day brings. My apologies if you didn't get on air this morning. Uh, We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.